Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you're listening to this. This is Matamida alongside my critique of in crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. Tracy Hutchins. Happy lemon to everyone. <laughs> I, I, I see what you did there. And yeah, we had to talk about lemons in this way. And lemons, CC Lilford. And a big old hello to all you Swifties and cinephiles everywhere. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and this is another episode of BBB Radio. And at the time of us recording this, it's a week before Halloween weekend, which is kind of weird because Halloween is falling on a Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's falling on a Tuesday. Huh. So I guess, you know, um, you know, horror fans and Halloween fans will just take, you know, from Saturday till, I guess, Tuesday and just call it a four-day weekend and just to celebrate Halloween. Um, I, I just normally celebrate Halloween by just listening to horrorcore and watching horror films. That, that's what I do, right? But, you know, we will talk a bit of horror here. So we will talk about The Fall of the House of Usher. This is the newest Netflix miniseries from uh, Stephen King fan, you know, uh, <laughs> Mike Flanagan. And, you know, well, even 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 Stephen King, you know, lo- loves this guy as well, too. Oh, yeah. And his work, right? That yeah, he lo- so loves his stuff. And he, and he loves this, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we will also talk about, or I should say, uh, two of us will talk about Taylor Swift, the era store. Uh, that'll be pretty interesting. I really, really want to hear, you know, um, how that played out. Uh, we will talk about the first half of Loki, um, season two. Mm-hmm. And we will end with Loki. Yeah. And we will end with probably one of the most highly anticipated films of 2023, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Ah. That feels so good to say. Yes, yes yeah. it, it did. It did. It did. I, I, I just love that two second bit of silence. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but before before we kick things off, though, um, you know, just just a little RIP by um to uh, BC Perez. Um, yeah, yeah. Found out right. from you know a couple of um of of people who are who are in the know when it comes to you know to news like like local news like newspapers basically mm-hmm. yeah um you know columnist uh, bc perez you know died at age 65 um i didn't even know that he was dealing with um with cancer for a year i i didn't even know right, that yeah. right um but i'm not going to say that i know everything about him but what i will say um true story here is that at a point in time when like, i would just say like in the 2000s when i really started to open my mind to films and, you know, authors and whatnot, you know, legendary directors and whatnot. And this is like years before I even um, got into the UE film program and met Ricardo and Cece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the only person I knew who really, like, went out of his way to review movies was B.C. Perez. I, I saw his work in the Trinidad Express. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody at the time was doing what he was doing. And that, that just blew my mind, right? And... Um, I I I, w- I would actually say that he is one of the people that, that pretty much influenced me to to be doing this to actually um, believe in myself that you know uh, film criticism in Trinidad 
is is um, should be t- and is and should be taken seriously, right? Right. Because uh, you know, I don't want to jump on. I don't want to stand on a soapbox and talk about why we don't care about film criticism in the first place, right? You know, we don't have an industry, blah blah blah. But um, we do love film, even if we don't make. And I'm not saying we in terms of who is involved in this chat here, but you know, just general public. I know, like, we're not all gonna just go out and see a film, any um, even well, when it comes out theatrically, even if it's from Scorsese or even if it has Taylor Swift in the title, right? Mm-hmm. But we do watch films, and uh, films yeah. in one way, in some way, shape, or form, are a part of just us, you know, and how we identify ourselves, right? Um, especially emotionally, right? And yeah, just seeing that there was a guy, um, a, a journalist, right? A columnist, if you will, sorry, who was willing to say, hey, I saw this movie on cable and I'm telling you if it's worth checking out. I saw this movie theatrically, I'm telling you if it's worth checking out. That that really impacted me, right? Um, I haven't followed up on a lot of his, his other stuff, right? Because I knew that it was, there was a point in time leading up to his death where we didn't really see anything um where we didn't really see any publications from him um, on the newspapers, right? Mm-hmm. But just during that that era, just in the 2000s where I was reading his work like every week, um, you know, when it came to like a, a, a new film release or something on cable, yeah, that, that, that shaped me. Like, again, just, just in closing, there was nobody um, that was doing what he was doing at the time. And yeah, that, that really um, impacted me, right? And, you know, I, I know a lot of other people, especially who are in the, the news industry, right? Or I should say the, the um, newspaper industry, sorry, they, they, they will have more stories to tell about him. But, yeah, that, that's the one that really come to mind. Just the fact that he was doing something that, you know, nobody else was doing. And, yeah, it pretty much shaped me. And, look, I'm kind of, kind of doing something that what he was doing, you know, back in the days, right? So, yeah, not much more I could say. R.I.P. B.C. Perez. Uh, yeah. Tracy, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have anything to, to weigh on his life legacy. And, and legacy, sorry. I um, I knew him. Well, I, let me rephrase that. I didn't know him personally, but I mean, like, growing up, there were a few people who you sort of looked to in terms of seeing the seeing the good things, having something to say. It was uh, Keith. There's a columnist who died, whose name is now going blank in my mind now, but his name was Keith. It was B.C. Perez as well. And, you know, the idea of him being in Trinidad Tobago Film Festival is kind of where I lock him in as well. And his voice was one of those voices that you sat down and you listened to, you gave respect to. And sort of get up this morning and mom is scrolling through, you know, her feed and she says to me, B.C. Perez is gone. Uh, That's not news that I legitimately wanted to hear or, or you know that that was something that kind of shocked us all i just kind of you know i was sitting on thinking about it during the course of the day and i i would love for us as a culture to recognize and honor people more when they are alive i know that's a universal type of sentiment but i'm mm. sure now everybody's going to be talking about how great bc Paris was and you know maybe we should have given him a Shaconia gold or you know the things like that is going to be floating in and out of the of 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 the, of the talking points for the next week or thereabouts but you know maybe while they're alive we should honor them and use their voices to be able to push the country in a better place so you know my condolences to his family my condolences to his friends and to everybody who you know he in some which way form or fashion helped to grow. So that's me. 
Right, and I'm, I'm I'm sorry if I said Perez, right? Like I don't know for for years, mm-hmm. I just always <laughs> said Perez. You know, it was really Perez. You yep. know, like that. I don't know. It's just it's just it just always stuck with me. That's that Perez surname, even though that's that how it's pronounced, right? Perez. So, yeah, I do the same I'm, thing I'm, I'm as sorry. well. Yeah, uh, Ricardo. Um, any anything you want to weigh in on BC Perez? Uh, yeah. <laughs> again, you know, Perez. Per, yeah, no, yeah. He's one of those who, uh, right, I always kind of read his article. Sometimes kind of a funny with you, right? Uh, for a while, I kind of was in that kind of space and of his friends. But I never met him in person, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, but he's always one of these guys who, you know, is always around, kind of funny. Uh, funny kind of, um, <laughs> funny little incidental anecdote to him is that I think he's, his his dad was my dad's boss, I think, at some point. Oh. Back in like in the wow. in the eighties or something like that. Uh I think I think that's a connection at best I could see with him. Like the, the ruddy little connections in Trinidad and, and who, who Perez was the family, if you know, Caribbean chemicals. He was kinda of the black sheepy of the family from from what I gather, if I could just piece that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's one of these guys, these kind of culture guys who just, you know, always had a, a decent thing to say, always felt decently modern, always had you know, yeah, the, 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 the kind of the shape in the narrative and interesting culture discourse um, types. And it, yeah, yeah, it's a, you've gone, gone way too early. Uh, so, yeah, uh, so yeah, I repeat it, uh, a good one. Uh, agreed, uh, way too early, boy, 65. <laughs> that, that, that's way too early. Yeah, right. So, uh, moving forward now, um, let's kick things off with some TV stuff, right? So, uh, we'll talk about first three episodes of season two of Loki, right? Uh, you know, some critics got to see the first four before, you know, this, this, this season officially dropped. I mean, lucky lo- 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 y'all, lucky y'all. So, you know, everybody else has, ha- you know, has, has to see it week weekly, week. which, is, which is fine. Which is fine. Which is fine. <laughs> but I just find it so weird. And we talked about this before. Actually, all of us, when we last met, spoke about this. Uh, why, you know, critics got to see the first four episodes if this season is only six episodes in length. That's kind of weird, right? But I don't know. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, Peacemaker from last year where some people, some critics, sorry, saw um, the first nine episodes, I believe it was, and then um, they just basically had to wait until the 10th one dropped and then they just gave the, the, the final verdict on the entire right. season. That That's right. kind of weird, right? Whatever. But yeah, um, just, just pre-ramble time, right? So, first season of Loki, um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it just felt different as far as um, MCU um, uh, output goes. Um, mm-hmm. It took a beloved, you know, villain slash anti-hero and yes, yeah, so somehow made him more sympathetic um, and more of a hero than anything else. And, you know, but but really the self for me was the existential crisis that he was put into. You know, when we first saw Loki in, you know, a little film called The Avengers, it was like, you know, who's this cocky bastard, you know, talking about, oh, you know, human beings and all oh, the ants and all that kind of stuff, right? And, you know, there's, there's that famous line with um from, from, you know, Nick Fury, you know, Ant Boot, you know, that, right? But mm-hmm. just taking him out of his element and pretty much showing him, yeah, it, at the end of the day, you're in in this context, you are insignificant. Like in this whole, um, in this whole frame of time and space, yeah, you mean nothing, right? You know, this whole god of mischief thing and how you were parading that for years now. Yeah, that that doesn't mean shit now because yeah, you know, there's other versions of you variants and they're causing drama. And now we have something called the TVA that's there to just sort of wipe you out, right? And it was just, you know, um, Loki, you know, played excellently once again by Tom Hilston, just mm-hmm. 
kind of come into terms with his own identity with um, in more ways than one, right? Um, in the sense that, you know, he meets a female version of himself or a female variant, basically. Um, and, and just more or less, again, just sort of realizing, wow, like, I don't really mean shit, by jeez. Like, I really need to, <laughs> to get my shit together, right? And you got that. And of course, you know, uh, because we're talking about time here, you get some, you know, time um, shenanigans here or there. And what, what it all led up to um, was, you know, the first incarnation on, on screen of Kang, you know, played by Jonathan Majors, right? And mm-hmm. where that's where that led to, well, of course, that was in the final episode and where that stopped off. was like, holy shit, what's going to happen next, right? So now we have this new season here. And I'll just... Just say this right before. Well, I'll, I'll ask one of you guys to, to do um, these synopsis, right? Yeah, I haven't been hearing much about it so far, though. Like, um, I like, and I, I kind of blame that now on you know just the MCU fatigue that's been going on for the past, you know, I would say year. Yeah. Um, you know, people got burned with Quantum Mania. So it's like, oh my <laughs> gosh, we're done. Uh, Which they right. thought was going to be a big deal. Eh? A new book came out, <laughs> yeah. and it's like they thought it was good. Yeah. That was going to be the banger. They the really. Yeah. They. And, and, I'll, and I'll bring up Quantum Mania in, in my in my review of it too, yeah, because yeah, there, there's a connection to it, right? If you yeah. remember the end of Quantum Mania, then of course you know the main body in that being Kang himself, right? You're right. But yeah, um, but I still was like, all right, I I know I'm gonna get that quality that I got in the last season because yeah, I absolutely enjoyed that that first season, right? Um, that's how. It just dealt with, you know, time and whatnot. But you could tell that it was boring from, you know, films. Especially there was a there was a sort of a Terry Gilliam vibe to it too, right? Like I saw yeah. it's a Twelve Monkeys. I saw some mm. Brazil in it as well too, right? But again, I I just was I I just knew that I was gonna get that that quality, right? When it came to this, the storytelling, the characters, the visuals, all that stuff, right? But I know that by now people would just be like, oh, another season of Loki. I don't really care, whatever. But I would say just get it all the way one time. Don't don't, don't write off MCU. Don't don't write them off as yet. Yeah. Don't write them off as yet. Yeah. They're still doing very good things here. And yeah, I would I would say, um, yeah, Loki season two is that right? It's okay. it's still something good. It's still something that you should you know check out. Just not in a hurry, right? So don't expect this thing to be trending on 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 Twitter. You know every time you know or I should say X, sorry, when this uh, when when a new episode comes out, unless in the next three episodes they do something very outrageous and over the top. You know, like see the final episode of, of the last season, and it's like oh shit, and everybody stops and focuses on it, right? But yeah, um, Ricardo, take it away. Uh, what are the first three episodes of? Loki season two about in, in a nutshell. Sure. Um, so this fallout from the events of uh, the season one finale. Uh, Loki reappears into well, what seems to be an, what seems at first to be an alternate version of the TVA, but what it is is the distant past. You find out, and he and um, Mobius and um, I forget his name B thirteen. I forget the name. B twelve. I forgot the. Uh, yeah, B thirteen. Um, it's B right? B thirteen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, so the. No, no, B fifteen. B fifteen. Thank you. Right. Yeah. yeah. So basically, just he have to he have to sort out a uh a scenario involving like some you know this disaster going on, and they have to go meet uh Ouroboros, um played by Short Wrong. Um, yes. Oh. Uh, Oscar winner. Yeah. 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 And so they, they solved all that problem as the first episode, and then they basically dealing with the fallout of finding Sylvie, making sense of uh, this person who has to show up, who is effectively Kang, and uh, make a, and then make sense of you know the 
potential future variants of Kang because he is like that's the, the warning he gave uh in that thing. And then well the, the two other episodes uh follows up on uh well episode two and three mostly three in particular they follow up on the goings on of what uh Renslayer Rena Renslayer is up to and why she's up to. And then we uh, ultimately meet a, a kind of a really important character in Marvel Comics, kind of, uh, Victor Timely, a variant of Kang. Yes. And what he is about and why, and what they, they're doing with that, and why, why, how he fits into the narrative. And they, they just starts, ends off with the first three. And yeah, I'm kind of enjoying it. They're not loving it too much, and I will admit, uh, because the momentum was kind of severely undermined with three movies that I thought would have done more better. Actually, which is Thor, Doctor Strange, mm. Multiples of Madness, and especially Ant-Man 3. Uh, mm. Not as hyped, I will admit, in terms of the working meta-narrative of the MCU and the grander narrative or whatever they lean into. But I still enjoy this for what it is. Yeah, I actually have a lot of um, you know, a lot of fun with these three episodes. Tom Hiddleston mm-hmm. is great. Right, he holds the show as usual. He's pretty good. Um, him and uh, got Owen Wilson is quite good. Uh, uh, I find they they, bu- they bounce off each other really well. Again, same good chemistry. Decent story for what they're doing with respect to the whole. They have to build back the TV and everything, mashing up. And Sylvie kind of don't give a shit because she have she whole thing going on. And you know, you know why Kang relevant because they think he could solve a problem involving. Well, we still haven't seen that resolve at as the, as the end of season episode three. Sorry, and. You know, they're just making sense of the, the, the grander conceit of it. And I, I'll admit, you know, because the MCU kind of dropping off, because they kind of, them da, these movies that should have, I think, built a lot of better momentum and have my little more hype kind of was disappointing. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not that excited, to be honest, but still working for what it is. Um, Majors, you know, ignoring the, his real world, you know, problems uh, is okay. Right, I, I don't like this one as more as much as I liked He Who Remains. He Who Remains felt a good mix of goofy and terrifying. This guy just goofy. I don't really like Victor Time. Yeah, it's kind of a dummy. But the idea that is kind of part of the idea because what they do with him involving how he connects to the TV is kind of interesting. It's like, oh, why? Okay, he not part of this and not, he not really he don't know what's going on. But they're trying to reset the. Thing and and for whatever reason, he who remains knew that this vision would be a backdoor somehow to whatever they're planning to involve in Renslayer and whatnot and whatnot. So I want to see how that's gonna shake itself out. I enjoy Majors. He he kind of funny, but again, you know, not not as engaging as thing. Again, I, I tend to try to figure out how to ignore the real world stuff. I don't really care about that. Uh, you know, but it don't bother me as much. But you know, it's fine. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, it, it didn't finish. I enjoying it. I'm not as I'm not hyped. I can't say I'm too too hyped, but that's not because of this show in particular. If the show was in a mm-hmm. better space or a better MCU, a better a better soil, as it were, you know, yeah. it would have grown better for me. But the MCU, let's just call it soil for now. Uh, good seed, bad soil, right? Because the MCU right. overall, I have zero zero hype for any potential or wherever it's going. This not that I can't say falling flat. I would have been more excited if it was in a better space. That's all. But yeah, enjoying it so far. All right, uh, CC, did you did you see um, did you did you watch us? Watch them? No, I kind of because okay. of what Ricardo was just saying about like the MCU. I've kind of I like I've I've been pickier about my MCU in general. Um, the last thing I watched was um, Guardians Volume Three in theaters. Uh, when it comes to the streaming shows, um, I think the last thing I watched might have been Moon Knight. 
and I loved that, but wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a while. Yeah. I, 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 I liked the first season of Loki, but you know, I liked Thor Ragnarok, and I thought that would mean that I would like Love and Thunder, so I was a little mm. cautious with Loki season two. So, but yeah, if it turns out to well... be, if it turns out, if it turns out to be decent, I might check. It. I'll probably check it out, but um, I'm not, I'm not in a hurry to check it out at this yeah right <laughs> um on, 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 a, on a side note right um just straight mm. off a bit right with Mar- with with the marvels coming out uh, next month have you seen miss marvel as yet uh no like that's that's the one that i actually am meaning to check out like i've heard ms marvel's pretty good and i i, I like watch it like watch it, any- watch it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, I like it. It's not like it's you not know, like a complete mess. I don't love it, but you know, yeah, you should, you should watch <laughs> I it. It's fine. It as, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could understand. I could, I could get understand why people would like it. It's fine. Yeah, it seems mm-hmm. to be a lot. It seems to be a lot of fun. I was very concerned when I don't know if it was. I, I know, um, uh, Tracy was good enough to share this, but there was that article that kind of went into why the Marvel shows in particular have been struggling. Right. In particular, with a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and that made that actually kind of made me even more worried about how Loki season two is going to turn out. But um, but no, I'll probably I'll definitely check out Miss Marvel. I ironically don't know if I'm planning to check out the Marvels at this point. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. I, I haven't. I, I, I will. It, it, okay. My, my, my fear. My fear before we move back into Loki is the runtime. <laughs> right. That that what, that's my fear. That's my fear. Like, I know run? it's gonna end, it's gonna entertain, but um, actually it's gonna be the shortest of all the MCU movies we've gotten so far. That that seriously concerned. Okay. Oh, concern. I'm a little worried about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but you know what? Well, well, I will save my my review of the first three episodes of Loki. Just get back in it. Um, season two for last. Um, so Tracy, your your thoughts on what's going on so far on this um show? Okay, uh, well, before I even go there, let me just remind everyone that uh, Master Feige has threatened everyone um, by explaining that um, they've only, after 38 projects or thereabouts, they've only scratched the surface. Remember, Marvel is an 80-plus year company, so get ready. Um, And I use the word threaten. Get ready for that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the, the thing for me is, and this is this is this is how I view it. Marvel TV, Marvel Studios television projects or streaming projects, um, it tends to pull me a little bit more than the films of late because you're not necessarily sure what you're going in to see. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to still go and and thoroughly enjoy myself. I am very much ready to see the Marvels, primarily to see Kamala's point of view. You okay. know, yes. how she's how she's going to interact because I mean Captain Marvel is like her, her thing. So in terms mm-hmm. of the TV shows, how they operate, it tends to pull you in a little bit more. I tend to you know like that a, a great deal. And when Marvel does weird in TV, um, they tend to get me a, a, a lot happier. So like WandaVision, um right. Miss Marvel, uh and of course, Loki, or as I have it scribbled down here, you know, American Doctor Who. Yes. Is, oh yeah, my God. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I feel like season two really leaned into the into the idea. Like, I mean, listening to the to Natalie Holt's music, um, even yes. more now, it feels more pronouncing him move with Mobius. 
um, you know, throughout the whole thing, I was like, okay, so, you know, one could argue that Kang is Rossillian and the TVA is Gallifrey. And of course, he is right. 10 because he has big David Tennant energy in terms of how Luke right. is operating. So yes. that is American, American Doctor Who. I am I'm very much enjoying... Uh, <laughs> I am enjoying season two. I almost said season three. Season two of Loki right now. I, I think, you know, the problem, the way how I have it scribbled here is the problem of free will will pick their, their collective asses for this season because that's right. what you have. Now that you, you've, you've, you've killed this, this guy who he himself has said, you know, you don't just have one devil, you're going to have a whole bunch of devils to deal with. And now you can choose whether to prune or not to prune. What do you do then? And people just go bonkers. You see, you know, one part of the TVA is like, prune all the damn branches and let's get back to the work. You have another, right. you know, you have Mobius and his little friends, you know, Loki, Mobius and his little friends who are like, we need to save people and, and, and stop all the variants. And then mm -hmm. funny enough, you know, I, 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 I will say this in terms of quantum mania, I'm you know, it goes back to like what Scott was feeling at the end of Quantum Mania when Scott was walking through right. San Francisco, and then he suddenly one good part you know, of that movie. Mm. Yeah, like, here's yeah. my thing. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. This is on a on a side, but here's my random thing. I feel like Quantum Mania gets a, a a little bit more of a bad rep, and I feel like Quantum Mania could have gotten rid of the whole. Um, uh, God, what's his name? Um, the, the big head now. I can't remember his actual oh, name. Oh, Modok? Modok, 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 yeah. That whole Modok yeah. storyline would have, <laughs> if they had trimmed it down or, or gotten rid of it completely and just focus on the idea of Janet and Kang and Scott and even the idea of Scott coming back. Scott didn't have to come back. You could have set up Young Avengers yeah, right there by I mean, having Scott stay yeah. in the quantum realm and now Cassie has to go and find him and she joins up with other heroes. But moving, moving back to, to Loki, because we know those all of those things are going to come into play later on. Right. I'm kind of really digging how it plays out. You know, episode one was like a solid start. You got to see, you know, the after effects of it. Uh, I thought they resolved the, the time issue with Loki's skin a little too quickly, but I, I, right. I'm I still down for that. Um season episode two was a little bit of a a little bit of a, a slow oil in terms of putting things together and then season three uh, episode three you know gave us um you know do androids dream of of electric sheep kind of vibe with miss minutes right. and that's all i yeah all, the I'll dong, dong bad dong bad robot i will throw this out without giving any kind of spoilers i'm wondering if she saw um vision and how Vision became, Listen. and that propels her in her way. Yeah. Uh, but that's another story for for another time. Yeah. I, uh, I well had fun with that. But generally speaking, the first three episodes are doing quite well. I like how, how it's setting up. My, yeah. my, only, my only, well, two things I will say in closing about how I feel about it. One, I have a feeling that five and six is going to be the kind of blow people out of the water kind of scenario. So that's why, like, even critics who are getting the first four, I, I saw somebody give it a five out of ten, a, a critic give it a five out of ten, but then, like, general 
fans and people in you know were like no this is actually getting like on a six or a seven but i feel that by the time you get to episode five and six there are things that you're going to see that's going to be like oh that's why you held it back that's why you're stretching it out because i'm really not trusting ouroboros right now to be honest okay Uh, okay I, i i feel ob um ob is and there's something that that Victor Timely says in episode three, where he's talking about having a convers. He feels like if he's having a conversation oh, between, yeah, and I and it just confirmed right. the whole idea of. I mean, the Ouroboros is basically a snake eating its tail. There's right. something about Ruby that does not sit right. Right. But I do. Feel I don't. Five and six I, I don't. I don't have the same. I don't have the same play that you have a name similar to Mobius. No? So Mobius, mm. Mobius strip. Yeah, right. Obi, right. yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's what I thought it was. But yeah, you, you, you bring up an interesting point that hey, Obi might not be on the up and up. Uh, that'll be interesting though. That might be an interesting and, twist. I'm kind of wondering if Obi is the only one who remembers he does. things from. Yeah, because like yeah. when he talks about his 400 he years, does, yeah. et, cetera, et cetera, and everybody else's memory, and that's the only right. spoiler I'll say about it. But generally speaking, for me, I am very much uh, ready for this. What I hope. Is I know uh, Marvel, internal Marvel, has been saying things like they're going to start moving away from limited series and start actually making television where you have season one, season two, season three. If they continue doing doing that, that could be really good. But it also means I hope that they understand that when you do a season of a show that you wrap this season up. I don't need to be like, well, this is going to lead into a movie that I'm not going to see for the next four years. That right. is the aggravation that I all I generally have with the MCU's projects, especially well, well Disney Plus projects. So like whatever wraps up mm. with um, Loki season two, I don't want to wait two years for uh, two three years for Secret Wars um, and Kang Dynasty to suddenly be like, oh, this is where that was supposed to be leading to, you know that kind of thing. But for yeah. now, just taking the shows on face value. Um, Loki season two or, or American Doctor who is doing quite nicely. <laughs> All right. Well, for me, um, I'm I'm really enjoying this um this this second season. I like that it's doing its own thing, just like the last season. Um, it's not doing a sort of fan service to get us all excited about things. Like, it's right. staying with the story, right? Yeah. I like that it's keeping things as weird as, you know, like weird in terms of the situation, what's going on, and the stuff about time and um, secret timelines and pruning and all that kind of stuff. Like, like it's weird, but in a, in a strange way, it kind of makes sense. Like, in the world of Loki, it makes sense, right? Um, Acting-wise, everybody, you know, do their thing. Um... It's kind of surprising and not surprising at the same time that, you know, um, Ki Hui Kwan is here. And yeah. I find it so funny that, you know, we have something called the um, temporal um, temporal loon, right? And, you know, if you think about it, if you see it fast, it's like Temple of Doom, it sounds like that. <laughs> Temple of Doom, Temporal Loon. Uh, yeah. It's like, ah, ha, 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 I like that okay, one. Okay. Yes. That, that's, that's, that, 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 that's kind of funny. That, that, that's right. kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I like that, you know, even he, you know, brings his own kind of quickness. Like the way how he talks to, like, uh, there might be a timeline. There might be this. We're all like, gonna the way die. how he talks to, you know. Yeah, we're all going to die. Or, you, um, sorry, um, it's going to take us like five seconds. Like the way how he talks, uh, it's not too animated, but it has a sort of a kind of a cartoonish kind of flair to it. Just a little slightness to it, right? Um, the one who is way more cartoonish, of course, is Jonathan Majors when he plays Victor Timely, right? Right. And just bringing up the whole, um, oh gosh, well, you know, the 
just bringing up quantum mania here right well the outro right if if y'all stuck around for it you know you'll, you'll mm-hmm. know that you saw a scene that would right uh, would all wind up being on, on um, episode three right um and I actually like rewatch it and just sort of compare it so it's actually like a alternate version of it because slight spoiler in the theatrical film right in quantum mania it ends with victor staring at um loki but in this in this episode here, that doesn't happen at all. Like he just finishes right, yeah. his little presentation and actually goes out a bang pretty much, and that's it. So there's no stay down like that. Right. that stay down was just yeah. Like, they they edited the front. Like, oh yeah. my god, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was weird, but I thought they would at least have a bit of the stay down, but it didn't play all like that. Yeah, they, they kind of it just edited the front. I don't think it's like a different scene or anything like that. Um, that's what I think uh, it was. Well, it's, it's the same scene, but just that that stayed on. They, they literally cut out. Right. I right. don't know why, but they just cut it out. It was. It well, was, I think I think they probably they, they probably changed his story because I think they wanted to have it where timely was aware of the situation. Now. So they they changed the narrative, and that I mean it's probably because of real world bullshit. We're not sure. Uh, but right. that, yeah, yeah, again, yeah. I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, uh, the way how Victor talks play is like all right, like like I I really enjoy. Um, he just as you know, Kang, right? Whether right. it's he who remains or Victor, right? But there's like a kind of weird quirkiness to the, to the point that you're sort of wondering. And I think I brought this up with um, with my review of the first season, especially when he showed up in that final episode, where you're wondering if it's Hammy on purpose. So right. he just sort of talks like this, and he just sort of moves around like this. He just kind of wondering if, like me, just just sort of like half-assing it. But it's like, no, it's, I don't know, it's, it's like a kind of a weird way, like how he kind of processes things. And like, like he, he's so in his head. I think I brought this up to you. Like he's so, right. like he just internalizes things so much that when he actually says what's on his mind, it just sounds weird. It, sounds, it just sounds like gobbledygook. So yeah, well, he's supposed to be, yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be like one of these absent-minded professor types of that era no? and you know mm. the whole the whole him getting the book as a boy you know and that yeah. that is which the thing was, which was really interesting right right um well so you know if you know the origins of if you know what marvel used to be called before it was called marvel comics uh that is a reference uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah timely comics um yeah. but um, um also also he in the if i remember correctly in the main marvel narrative he's supposed to be the creator of the original Human Torch, um, oh. which is the robot one, not the Johnny Storm one. Oh. But, but, but his name is also Nathaniel Richards. He's the very descent descendants of Reed Richards. So that's the whole thing. And wow. if you know, in Captain America, that makes an appearance. I'm not sure if they'll they'll recall it, but that makes an appearance. You know that that robot thing shows up in the world, same world sphere. The first Captain America, right? World's Fair, World's Fair. And then, well, World's Fair was showing up in, in well, the Tony Stark Expo thing. It's the same idea, right? It's an expo. So it's yeah. the same World's Fair, Chicago, World's Fair, I forget where, well, no, Stephen New York, right? So we'll see. I think they might stitch yeah. it back. We're not sure what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, I, right. as, I, as I say, well, that's my last point. Um, You know, I, I think, yeah, as you say, they, they, they just leave the best for last. Matter of fact, they, they leave two episodes, which is kind of weird. They leave two episodes kind of blank. That means the two episodes probably is a big deal and might probably kick off what's going on with this that, um, Secret Wars, 
Kang was bullshit going on because I hope they make it thing. I have no idea what the real world scenario because you know they might have to jettison majors if Bush come to shove. Not sure, but they don't seem to be doing that. I mean, if if that was the case, they'd probably do it by now. I'm not sure. Yes. But you know, um, as I say, the way how things looking is like yeah, they they the that second that that last two episodes might be the real thing. So I hide for that. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, I was actually surprised at Rafael Kazal was in this too. Um, if you right. remember, he is from, you know, Blind Spotting, i.e. one of my top 10 favorite movies mm-hmm. in the past decade. Yeah. And also yeah. the spin-off series, which I, I absolutely love. The second season dropped this year, right? Yeah, he plays Hunter X5. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, Rafael, yeah. get That's the scene where the two of them in the second episode is quite good. Yes, yes, yes. Where he's in... Um, where he, all right, well... Basically, he assumes this identity of this um, Hollywood actor. Yeah, there's a great like um, you know interrogation scene involving him and Mobius and and Loki. That was yeah. especially Tom's mm-hmm. performance in that is like yeah. wow, mm-hmm. like like it really felt mm-hmm. it, right. And, and I like how how Hunter was just kept he kept pushing him. He just pushes his buttons. But there's a moment near the end of that episode which I won't spoil now where you really see like oh my god, I should really fear this guy, right? Uh, but yeah, it works. And I also like what they do with Sylvie here, where she just like you know fed up. This whole TV shit. She just wanna live, and she wanna work at McDonald's because that's where she ends up. <laughs> that was really interesting. But like 80s McDonald's. She realizes that yeah. oh, you know, there's variants of yeah. Well, in the moment she realizes that there's um variants of um Kang alive. Yeah, she will show up with she, with she machete. He right, and pick him off. Right, chop this guy down. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where it happens in, in the two depths. So where it was like, all right, like Rel, like she just sort of shows up, like, oh, okay, oh, oh you knew it was here. But it, again, it's it's time stuff, right? It's, it's it's one of those kind of things. Um, I I put that down like, to you know, her having um he who remains is tempered because it was his temper right. that she would have. Mm. So that might give her a little bit more of an edge, but right, right, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, a few things for you. I'm still enjoying the visuals for the show. Um, again, I just, you could tell that it's pulling from Terry Gilliam, right? Especially like Brazil and 12 Monkeys. That sort of weird aesthetic, right? Um, I just love how it just embraces its own weirdness. It's just like, yeah, it's time stuff. And like normally you really shouldn't understand any of this. But if you're like really kind of, I don't know, like this sort of think about it a little bit it kind of makes sense you know what I mean right even though some of it will kind of fly past here but like when you really sit down and think about it it's like yeah it would make sense um, and, you know stuff like that kind of you know yeah I, I like any side characters too like the guy who does voice Rutherford from um from Lord X uh, forget the actors oh um, that, that, uh, Casey Casey that, uh, Casey that's yeah yeah he, he have a nice little yeah, bit yeah. to the beginning I like that his relationship with Obi I think it might be a thing they're nerding out on really a fanboy yeah. Right, exactly. Yes. And then they're out, yes. they're out of the intricacies of the TV. It's funny. Uh, that stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Miss Minutes, though, in, in the third episode, when with her, was pretty interesting as well. <laughs> and yeah, I, I do see what you, what you mean, um, Tracy, with the do androids dream of electric sheep stuff. Yeah, it's like that. It's like, wow, okay. This, this is how real it is, Miss? Okay, you know what I mean? But I love Tara Strong's voice. And this, that design of Miss Minutes just always makes me laugh. You know, it's just something so cute and weird about it, too, right? Um, I even dug what they did with uh, Rensley as well, too, because I wasn't sure what they were going to do with her um, and, like, what the direction she was going to take. But, yeah, they actually, like, find, you know, a, a, a reason for her to be in this still, right? Um, of course, just last year, I just want to mention um, Hunter B-15, played by Wonmi uh, Mosaku, you know, still great. Um, that's how tough and authoritative she is, right? Right. But, yeah, um, overall, I'm, I'm really enjoying this, though. Uh, but I just know for some people who just 
burnt out by by the MCU deal. This sort of was just like, all right, I don't care all this time stuff and pruning timelines. I don't yeah. care about none of this. You know, as I, I say, I, the, I, I I don't blame you. Right. Blame as as I, as I say, yeah, I think a show like this is a multiplier factor. So it have to multiply what is there. If if you're not multiplying a mm-hmm. high number, it's gonna be a a high number, right? Um, right. right. So that's how I think about it. Like it's not there. So if this is because it's not meant to be, I don't get this that this show is supposed to be a main story or anything like that. But you know, we'll see. I, I'm not sure what they're doing with the MCU yeah. to be honest. But you know, I, I don't think the MCU cooked or anything like that. But you know, it's in a weird space, and you know, that's that yeah, stuff right. with with, with What he said there is not reassuring at all. I am sorry. No, that is not reassuring. You don't say that shit when you when you're in a good space. I am sorry. That 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 is just screams you know PR damage control. However, so much stuff coming out at the moment. So much stuff like behind the scenes stuff, and it. I don't know if anyone. I I'm, I'm I feel like Loki managed to avoid this problem. Maybe that's why it's been better. But it feels like even outside of television, almost every single MCU project has just been seeing this revolving door of writers and directors like what rewrite number are we even on for Mahershala Ali's Blade movie uh, at this point uh, <laughs> like, that's a very good question but that Blade, like, movie, that Blade movie starting to feel like uh, some flash bullshit now yeah, really a little ridiculous. Remember the Flash had like what four directors, whoever it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, yeah. to feel kind of weird because I find that, that going crushed. a little long now. Hmm. We'll see, but that is a very good point to bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what, what was what was gonna say about um about Loki now, right? And and it's 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 significance in the grand scheme of things. I I I think you know because they're playing with time now, they're gonna they're gonna make it like a much bigger deal. Like you know, like what's gonna happen in the last two episodes is gonna affect everything going forward. Right. Uh, but that's why I, that's how I felt when you know the finale, the first season happened. But right. you really see that because unfortunately, look at how Quantumania played out. Because yeah, yes. I was excited as hell to see Kang, and well, Quantumania happens like oh well, all right. Okay, well, yeah. thanks for the reminder of Loki. Thank, thanks for that. I really appreciate that. But it didn't really amount to anything, right? So I don't know if this season will amount to anything in the grand scheme. I don't know, but the way how the MCU is going right now, um, it, 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 it kind of should. It, it should amount to something, yeah. right? Um, especially due to the fact that they, they've been hyping up this character of Kang for like about a year now. So I guess right. you'll see, yeah. right? But yeah, overall... Enjoying it so far. Um, I can't wait to see what we get in the last three episodes. Um, it's not a show that I'm going to be like, you know, going to every single week. Um, uh, well, the exception of the last two episodes for sure. Um, but you know, if you don't hear anything, any chat about it online, uh, well, I, well, I mean, if you look at it like, oh, well, that means it's not worth checking out. I would say no, actually, check it out. But hmm. um, it's the same quality that you've gotten from before. But if you just don't care, then it wouldn't do anything for you. But if you've been enjoying it from season one, yeah, you'll 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 enjoy the the the, the, the progress yeah, of where it's at so far. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So sticking with TV again, um, let's talk about. The fall of the house of Usher. Um, apologies yeah. for this review coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Usher, Usher, Usher. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much, Tracy, for beating me yeah, to the chase because I was going to throw some Usher year references. That that's well, I, I, I was going to say I was going to make some my way references, but yeah, okay. You know, technically, you can, you can, you can do every episode to an Usher song. Like, I mean, from yep. episode one is this is my confession, you know. Yeah. And then you can go, you know, she likes it yes. my way. Is episode. You can, you, 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 you can literally have fun with it. 
yeah, yeah, no, no, on, on God. I, I swear, like, when I saw the first episode of How It's Played Out, I was thinking confessions, you know, like, I was going to, to type, I was going to put up a Facebook post of it, I was like, all right, something, confessions, confessions, this, but I couldn't come up with anything, right? Um, so the last thing I really came up with when I finished watch everything was Usher Family Values, because, um, you know, I, I just kind of see, like, okay, this is like the new Adams Family, but, you know, in a weird modern context, right? Yeah, real world yeah, sense, um, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in a real world sense, right? But um, yeah, so I was hearing a lot of great things about this show, like I would say like a month or so before this show even dropped, right? I think IGN gave this a full 10 out of 10. It's like, oh shit, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is a big deal, right? But what intrigued me just from the jump, right? Because I um, didn't watch the trailer for it till like leading up to its release, right? On Netflix um, is, you know, the references to Edgar Allan Poe, right? And I particularly right. took notice of the titles themselves, right? Um, mm-hmm. And referencing stuff like, mm-hmm. say, for example, um, The Mask of the Red Death, The Raven, The Black Cat, stuff like that, right? Which yeah. were adapted into film. And my initial plan for this review and this episode in particular was that I was going to, you know, pick one of the, you know, um, cult classic, you know, Roger Corman films from the 60s, which he made for American International Pictures. Yep. Uh, where, you know, he and, you know, the legendary, the late great um, Vincent Price worked on eight films, right, based off mm-hmm. of Poe's work, right? Uh, but I... But... Honestly, just just before we get into the review itself, right? And and this is where I could kind of rope in CC here because yeah, uh, you know they didn't see it. Um, yeah, I I, I only saw um, three of those films, right? And sorry, four of okay. them. That would be, of course, House of Usher. That's the first film that kicked things off. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw uh, The Mask of the Red Death. I saw Oof. The Raven. That was a really interesting watch. <laughs> and I saw The Pit and the Pendulum, right? And that, so and you I, so you I, didn't I, sorry. So you didn't get to Haunted Palace, you said. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't get to see the the others, unfortunately. I, okay. I just saw just as just those four. The haunted, right? the haunted, um, the haunted uh, palace is really interesting because that one's actually, it's actually, Corman himself downplayed it at the time because at the time this particular writer wasn't a big deal, but the the haunted palace is actually really interesting because that one's actually a Lovecraft adaptation. Right. The others are all Edgar Allan Poe, but the Haunted Palace is actually an adaptation of, of H.P. Lovecraft. And you can, like, you can tell. Also, one note that I love about all of these that they're all adapted by a another a brilliant um, novelist, but also film writer and um, TV writer, Richard Matheson, Richard the man Bryson, who wrote. Right. Yep, who at the time was doing a lot of writing for Corman, Edgar, um, American International, and just a bunch of stuff in general. He also wrote the brilliant script for the incredible shrinking men which is one of those oh, yeah one I, I need to watch that oh that's one of those movies that you go to okay yeah i'm ready for some 50s pulp and then like an hour and you're like why am i having an existential crisis yeah, weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, okay i don't know it, about madison did that okay yeah no he was yeah yeah mathis which one of the reasons i love the man and i think what i like about the about the corman post cycle is that with all of them, I mean, there's some that are better than others. I, for me personally, Mask of the Red Death and Fall of the House of Usher are the two best ones. Um, okay. um, I like Haunted Palace as well a lot, but I, but since it's a Lovecraft adaptation, it feels a little more adjacent than that. Um, I think for people who like psychological thrillers, you might like bur- um, Living. Is it Living Burial or Buried Alive? Um, that one doesn't have Vincent Price. Um, uh, 
but that one's about like that one's just about like a man who has like an absolute paranoia and ter- like phobia of being buried alive and it manifests in all kind of weird ways it's it's all all it's like corman does hitchcock it's really interesting um right but then like um, it, it, oh, it's, it's, it's called a premature burial a burial. premature burial yep that one yeah. uh yeah, I think like I like the cycle a lot. Um, Criterion had them a few months back because I believe they're oh they were made by American International. They were distributed by MGM, and since MGM recently got bought up by Amazon, the rights to a lot of their catalog are in this weird middle spot. But they're the kind of movies that if you can find them in the wild, I do highly recommend them. The Raven is I think of the Raven in like a similar category to. Um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, so I, I recommend that one if you're looking is, for a yeah. horror a horror comedy. Yes, it's a really funny comedy. Yeah. I think Vincent Price is underrated as a comedian. Um, Agreed. The... Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't even yeah. like. Is uh, so, so swear to God, right? I I didn't notice yeah. him until the very end. Jack Nicholson is in that though. Yeah. 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 What? Nichols. Nick. Nichols. Nicholson was one of those who got his start with Corman. Like Nicholson's, some of Nicholson's earliest roles and earliest of his performances were in Roger Corman vehicle or in Roger Corman projects. Either he thinks he directed or produced. Um, that's how he got his start. Um, he's he, that's how he ended up in a truly terrible um, film he made with Boris Karloff called um, The Terror, which is in the public domain. If anyone wants to go check it out, you can probably just watch it on YouTube. Um, that one is basically. While they were filming, I think that while they were filming The Raven, they had a couple extra days. So Corman kind of was like, well, we got done early. It would be a shame to waste all these sets and these actors we have lying around. So they made a movie in like three or four days. And so you, and so the terror wow. feels like a movie that was made in like three or four days. Um, highly recommended if you're looking for a bad <laughs> wow. movie night for that one. But the, oh, okay, the post-cycle, okay. I love a lot um they're they're harder to find which i find a little i mean unless of course you um if you're prepared to sail the high seas uh i would i would start with which is what i did that's, that's yeah how, that's how I stumbled <laughs> on, on, on those films I'm, I'm i'm sorry that 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 that's what i did right no you're fine so, i mean so yeah good yeah yeah so 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 back back to netflix now right mm-hmm. so i just yep. sort of did that just as you know because i haven't seen those films right um and yeah. you know it, it, i just felt it would be a cool idea to at least watch some of them you know in preparation for this right but because i because i know but i know sorry that you know this this show here is not going to be like you know a, a remake of those films or a retelling of those poor short stories right or poems right i know mm-hmm. it's going to be its own thing it's going to tell its own story but it's going to pull influences from those legendary stories right and i would say cc um mm-hmm. Seeing that you're, well, I, I imagine you're also familiar with the source material. Um, yes. It will be cool, like, you know, when you watch this, you're like, oh, that's a reference to this. And when he says that, that's a reference to that. And whether it's oh, a yeah. visual, whether it's an image or or, or name, you know. Um, mm-hmm. The case in point, there's a, there's a great reference to um, the, the Rue Morgue, right? As a reference to murder in the Rue Morgue. I was like, ah, that, yes. that, that's really clever, right? Well, but, Flan- uh, just yeah, really stuff. Uh. yeah Flan- Flanagan gets pretty deep. It's one of, it's one of the reasons I think King... And who else has he adapted? He adapted King. He's adapted. He adapted The Haunting of Hill House. Right. Um, yeah. Who was there? Was who was the kind of younger horror author? He did like a series with like a bunch of teenagers in a mental institute or something like that. 
I never watched That's from it. Last year, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it because I heard it was yes. it was alright, but that nothing would kill it myself to see. Um, let me yeah. just find it quickly, and then I'll just read synopsis and real yeah. jump into reviews. Uh, yeah, what that I would be that would be mm-hmm. that would be the Midnight Club. I haven't seen that. the Midnight Club. Yeah, what I know from Flanagan is that he gets in pretty deep when he adapts. Like he doesn't just adapt the individual story. He tries to kind of I don't know if this makes sense, but like immerse himself in the world of the writer. If like the world mm-hmm. of the writer, it's one of the things I really like about when he made um, uh, oh Doctor Sleep. Yes. Is that it actually Absolutely felt like enjoyed it took, that film. Yeah. It actually felt like it took place within the world of, of Stephen King's books while also mm-hmm. like Oh, okay, okay. All right. Following up from The Shining in a way that I really appreciate. Like even though I don't like the the Kubrick Shining, I felt myself kind of revisiting it, okay. rethinking about it after watching Doctor Sleep and going, you know, maybe there are parts of this that I actually appreciate cuz Flanagan like does such a good job of making it feel more Stephen King than Yeah. Cooper. I yeah. And I say okay I, I say okay because for me The Shining is my all time favorite horror film, right? So moving on. I'm sorry. So yeah, uh <laughs> no 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 that, that, that's fine. Teach his own, teach his own, right? Teach his own. Yeah, so what this this mini series is about in a nutshell is that we're we're centered on the the, the Usher, Usher, Usher family, right? Um and they well pretty much uh the, the well the father, the patriarch is the CEO of this pharmaceutical company that's right. been accused for years and years and years. Yeah, they kind of parallel to the Sacklers. Yes, yes. Even though yes, the Sacklers right. are. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the name of the company is uh, Fortunato Pharmaceuticals, right? And we learn um, later on how he, well, he being Roderick, right, um, acquired this business, right? Um, he has a well, a twin sister um, by the name of Malin, you know, played by Mary Mary, uh, Mary McDonald. Sorry, and you kind of see how they acquired this company in the first place, right? Um, in the early eighties, right? But yeah, so uh, Roderick, they set up early on. Yeah, just can't keep it in his pants, right? So he has six children um, by five different mothers, right? So um, well, yeah, five five different women, sir, right? So when he's introduced, like when the story like starts at the very beginning, that's in the early seventies. Yeah, he has you know two kids, right? That would be Frederick and Tamaline, right? Uh, but yeah, you have the four other kids, and of course, Frederick and Tamaline are always quick to call them bastards and all that, right? So yeah, in a nutshell, <laughs> they're all rich and they 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 spoil like incredibly spoiled. And it's not just the father who is corrupt, but pretty much everybody in this family is corrupt, save for his grandchild, as in Roderick's grandchild. She's like mm-hmm. the only pure person, or I should say the, the most intelligent person out of all of this, right? But everybody else is conceited and straight up just full of shit. Um, you just love to hate them, right? They are just so rotten to the core, but you will love to hate every one of them, right? And... During this um this court trial, right, where this particular um lawyer, this um this district attorney, right, uh, who is played was yeah, this Carl uh, played mm-hmm. Yeah, who's played by the great Carl Lumley, uh, who plays um August uh, Dupont, um or Dupin, right? It's not Dupin, but it's Dupont. Uh, how do they pronounce his name? Dupin. It's not Dupin, right? If from what I remember. Yeah, and yeah. you know, he's been trying to bring them down for years and you, you learn why actually in some really great flashbacks right but yeah so he reveals that there is an informant inside the family right who is feeding him information and trying to bring them down right also there is the um 
well, the family's attorney and, well, pretty much a fixer by the name of Arthur Pym, who is played by Mark Hamill. Yes, the right. Mark Hamill is in this as well, mm. right? Um, adopting this gravelly voice. <laughs> I mean, to the point I was wondering if that's how the man literally sounds like in real life. I was like, wow, is that your voice? Um, Luke, is that how you really sound? I don't know, right? But yeah, so once the family finds out, oh, there's a mole in the family, that, that just starts this sort of infighting between everyone, right? And well, long story short, um, well, Roderick now, well, this is like the, 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 the framework of the of this entire series. Yeah, he has this long sit down with, uh, with Lupin, right? At his old home and yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a haunted house by now because yeah, Roderick is just seeing all these really like morbid imagery. But the imagery that he's seeing, surprise, surprise, is of his dead children. Because yeah, throughout the show, you see each and every one of his um, of his kids get killed in the most gruesome ways imaginable. But it all relates to who they are as persons, right? Who they are, what they're obsessed with, and what they're addicted to, right? And they just all go out in gloriously gory ways, right? To the point that you will just have like, like you will literally, or it's probably have videos for this by now, you know, um, ranking, you know, the the, the 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 best deaths of, you know, the deaths of this show, right? From 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 worst to best, right? Yeah, it, it, it does that, right? But while, while all this is going on now, you really see how these deaths and just everything that's gone on throughout Roderick's life um, has, you know, tormented him over the years, right? And I'll close with this, right? There's a mysterious um, figure, um, this this woman by the name of Verna, who is played by the great Carla um, Gugino, right? Who has appeared in numerous uh, Mike Flanagan, you know, films, right? Yeah, she just shows up ever so often to, you know, torment everyone, right, in the family as well, too. Um, and she kind of manifests herself in different ways. Um, slight spoiler, she usually shows up before a character dies, right? And you just see how things play out from there. So, I talked long enough. Um, Ricardo, take it away. Since you saw this before me, uh, what we, what are your thoughts on this miniseries here? Yeah, so, yeah, this this, this Flanagan brother, he don't miss, boy. <laughs> Um, he don't miss, I he don't miss. really like this though. Um, you know, so the last the last thing of his I really like was Midnight Mass. I love Midnight Mass. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, thought that was great. This was uh, I, so I didn't know what happens that I didn't know it had so many like good character actors. It is like oh Mark Hamill in this what? Like you know yeah, I, 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 I say was surprised when 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 I saw the name Henry Thomas, but I was like yeah. oh homie from from ET do yeah. And just let's mm-hmm. like spoiler. He is scum in this, so he's so yeah, yeah, real trash. This, yeah. He's like, real trash. yeah, yeah, like, he, like, out of everybody, he's the character that I hated the most, boy, especially um, what he does. It's like, geez, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know if Carl Lumley was gonna be in this. I don't know if I didn't watch any trailers, I was like, okay, I'm gonna catch it later, whoever, right? And then, um, I then brought Bruce Greenwood, um, you know, big, big fan yes. of him, you know, you always, you always just bring the, 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 the A material for me. Um, so I was like, all right, cool, let me, let me give this a shot. And then I ended up just turning out to love this, especially I was watching it, kind of enjoying it. And then the end of that second episode, I'm like, all right, yeah. I'm him. Yeah. you have me. All you right. got so, me. What will you just say, right? Um, you know you know when there's one episode to stick with you, when at the end of the episode, you just hear silence. Yeah, no, you, just, just, see, just, you just see credits. What is that? Just, it's like, all right, they, they want this episode to stick with yeah, you. Yeah, no, they, just, they just, will stick with you. Yeah, let's get let's get them churn a, a good chemical peel, you know, so to speak, right? Um, Boy, <laughs> I just really I really enjoyed this. This was really smart. Here's a trick with to me, like as I said, one of the reasons I'm not into horror because I find a lot of horror, at least horror in the 
how I have been grew up with it in the, in the 80s and 90s has always been not particularly attached to me culturally or you know the, the, what what makes a horror work. And to me, the simplest way to tie a horror is what you do is you tie it to real world shit that is scary or real world shit that is making you anxious or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then nail that with this because I have been absolutely you know livid about the Sackler family and their their behavior. And to them to make a nice real world parallel, yeah. Right? Reason why Midnight Mass worked? Because I grew up as a Catholic. That's why. <laughs> that's why that that's why that series <laughs> works so well. This real world shit into involving the, the pharmaceutical company and, and the war on drugs and you know the Sackler the Sackler trash, right? Um but this now, yeah, they, they really nailed the whole corruption conceit of and, and feeding that back into the horror. So they do the horror concept, but you know, these people deserve it. Like that but that's why it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's why it works. Yeah. It, it works in its in its reverse conceit of, of subverting the premise. And yeah, I, I just did this had me the entire time do. And well it eventually culminates in that, that famous lemon speech. And like, yeah, that's that's yes. what's going on. This man this man did they nail and I was like, yeah, this this father got brother. He know what's going on. He know what's up as they say. And I I'm I'm not the like the biggest follower of him. Like, I, I kinda like Doctor Sleep. Um you know, but, but mostly because I'm not really super into like the Shining and that whole universe of you know that that well that Stephen King. I don't know what to call it, multiverse or whatever it is. So like I had to get into it later, but I was like, you know, I enjoyed for what it was. But it's only until Midnight Mass and and some of his earlier stuff. I was like, all right, this man really wrote in me. Well, this was excellent. This was truly excellent for me. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Tracy, I'll leave you for last for this one, right? But yeah, uh, Ricardo, <laughs> totally agree though. I, I absolutely enjoy this as well, right? Um, what, what this does so well, right, is that it will, yes, it, it does make references to Edgar Allan Poe, right? Right. But it just does it in these, in these like really smart, creative, and subtle ways, right? So case in point, the pit and the pendulum. Uh, what I would say without spoiling anything, there's a pit, and there's a pendulum, right? Right. <laughs> and, and when I saw that, I was like, "Whoa, this is this is so brilliant!" Like, like if you if you're at least marginally familiar with that story or the film itself, when you see that moment, it was like, "Yeah." And for me, that is like the best death in that movie. Um, sorry, in that series, with the episode two as a close second. That 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 like that one was 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 gross and messed up. But after giving to the pit and the pendulum moment, that's all I say though, and it's because. Kind of settled up myself here because I just hate this person so much. Way it was like, yeah, you you got what you deserve here, right? Um, but yeah, to touch on the deaths though, they are great. They are creative. They'll keep you on the edge of your seat. I love how they usually close off an episode and then you'll just cut to black and you'll just see the title card. Like that's how it does that. It's just so clever. Like I just be smiling every time. Every time I just hear doom, I just see you know the the, the title show up. Right? It, it's so well done. Right? But um, I would say for people who go into this expecting this to be like this non-stop, you know, horror fest, it's it's not that, right? Right. Um, it, early on, it did remind me of, you know, uh, American Horror Story where, yeah, you, you will take like, you know, people in the real world and just make them so large and life and scummy and just, you know, that's just villainous, you know, for the sake of being villainous. And you just throw all this weird shit at them now and you just see how they just break apart, like mentally, right? And I guess physically, right? But in this case, no, it's it's really well, yes, it is about the um 
dissolvement of the Usher family, right? But you just see it play out um, more in a dramatic kind of sense, right? Um, a lot of people will compare this show to Succession, and I will say after watching this, now I have a reason to watch Succession, so now I have two months to catch up on it. Right. So when years right. in, and people say Succession is the best show of 2023, I could be like, I understand, but thanks to Fall of the Usher, House of Usher, you know, <laughs> I was given a reason why, right? Because, yeah, it's, you know, rich, spoiled family, right? And, yeah, look at me and my money, and I could pay you to, to shut up, right? You know, while I get away with nefarious shit, right? And you just see how everything just sort of falls apart as a result of that, right? Um, Bruce Greenwood is fantastic in this, though, as, yep. as, as, as Roderick, right? And, yes, that, that monologue about uh, about lemons, that's yep. all I'll see. Um, ta- ta- well, also, shout out to Summerlee for, for putting me on to this, though. But, yeah, I, I, I watched that scene twice, though, and you, you know how you know it's, it's a great moment, though? All done in one take, right? And it's just so... It's just the... the, the the cynicism of it, though, that I love, right. right? And you just see it ooze throughout the entirety of this thread. This this notion of, yeah, we are rich and we could get away with this. And, we, you know, people will die off, off of our products. But, hey, you know what? That's just a price to pay for being healthy, right? That's just a price to pay for being immortal, so to speak, right? Um, speaking of that, though, I love the comparison between Roderick's pharmaceutical company and what his sister Madeline is doing with, you know, this whole... Like, at, at first, it was kind of weird, but, you know, like, she just basically want to move to, sorry, she wants to pivot to more, like, technological stuff, so she wants to incorporate AI into the mix and all that. Right. Like, at first, it was, like, a huge stretch, but, like, when the, sto- when the story started to play out and when she kind of bring it back up again, it's like, okay, still kind of weird, but, but I understand, right, because she's more talking about... um. You know, just progress now, you know, just, right. just move um, advancements, right? And I love how they set that up early on too, right? Where she and her brother was working in Fortunado back in the 70s and just the shit that she had to deal with, right? Um, by the way, the boss um, back then, I, I forgot the, the guy who plays it though. Um, well, sorry, he's uh, he's played by Robert Longstreet, right? Okay. Um, he was just a scummy boy, like, yeah, my yeah. God. But in a real sexist kind of way, though. But in the context of, well, the time period, in the 70s, like, yeah, it make a lot of sense, though. And the way how he goes out, because surprise, surprise, he goes out. Yeah, if you're a poor fan, you're like, I know that. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Right. Um, I just love how these episodes are purposefully titled, right? So, case in point, Mask of the Red Death is purposefully titled. Because, yeah, yeah, if, if you're familiar with the story, <laughs> yeah, um, how it plays out, though, is like, is, again, it's just a smart and clever tribute to Poe's work, right? Um, but for me, though, is, you know, the pit of the pendulum, though, that, that particular episode, and when you see how that plays out, right? Um, that, that really worked for me. Um, the black cat was kind of hilarious for me, though, because yeah, it involves a black cat, and you know, as just just citing, um, you know, double toots it. Yeah, there's a lot of gotcha bitch moments, right, where you just see the cat sort of appear and just do all kind of like, like, you know, basically want to attack her, and where that led to, that, that, was, that was pretty um, intense as well, but also funny as well too, because yeah, I find myself cracking up at some moments. They actually shout out a a, a, a certain actor. And you know um, a, a, a certain uh, prop that he uses in his films at all. See, like that's not a reference to him. though. this had me going too. But I was like, all right, well, it's Netflix, so yeah, ne- they had to shout him out because he in one of the biggest Netflix movies of the year, right? So that that's your spoiler right there, right? Um, 
Also, they throw a little um, blink in the implicit reference to, to Flanagan's workers. All right, so slight spoiler. Somebody was on Netflix and they just went on um, <laughs> looking for a film and I see um, Gerald's game. is like, all right, all right, all right Netflix, I, I see what you do there. I see what you do there, right? Uh, but speaking of Mike Flanagan, though, um, f- from both our writing and directing perspective, though, he kills it, right? And not all the episodes are, are directed by him, mind you, right? But his influence is there, right? Um, the writing is strong, true, though. Again, it's just how cynical it is, though. It really reminded me of, of, of Midnight Mass, though, because of how... Right. Um, just how... That's how brutally cynical it is, right? But yeah, just sort of honest with just how people move in the real world. Like, yeah, this is how I'd imagine a guy who running this pharmaceutical company would, would, would you know, act, right? Uh, case in point, right? So Roderick actually has a new wife, right? And she's actually ad, uh, addicted to his product, right? Well, what right. the pills that he manufactures, right? And she wants to get off it, right? But he talk about, well, you know, if you get off it, you know, you'll experience. And he just does this laundry list of all the side effects, Tread. I just say, like, Roderick, you motherfucker, you. Like, you know? Bro, like, like you, you you, motherfucker, you, Tread. <laughs> like, at times, you will sympathize with him, and you will actually feel sorry for him, right? Especially when, well, yeah, when his, when his children are getting killed, right? And you can really feel how that torments him, right? Especially when he sees the the um the, the images of his of his children, right? But yeah, there's moments where it's like, nah boy, like like you 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 deserve to die, right? Also as far as he the, the scares go, right? Um there's some genuine scares in this, there's some genuine intensity to do. There's a couple of jump scares though that legit had me had me jumping, right? So um there, there, there's one involving the death of um a particular um, child, right? That, that's all I'll say without spoiling anything, right? And I just say watching the scene, just watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, and the jump scare just literally hits you like an explosion. Boom. And I jump at that shit, you know? I jump at that. Like, usually jump scares will get to me like that, but that one in particular really, really got to me, right? Um, but really, at the end of the day, um, there's, there's a lot of dramatic weight in this as well. And just to go back to uh, what I was saying earlier, was what I should have finished up with earlier, is that... Um, if you go into this expecting to be ex- expecting this, this to be like this non-stop scare fest, yeah, you're gonna be disappointed by this, right? Because right. really, it's a drama. It's a family drama. Um, that's where the I, I guess the comparisons to Succession will come in. But there are some some genuine scares and deaths and kills in this, right? But don't go into this expecting this to be this non-stop horror film, right? Because horror fest, because it's not that, right? Uh, the performances are strong from everybody in this, in my opinion. Um, Carl Lombly killed it. Um, Carla, Carla um, Gugino, though, she was great, though, as Verna. I like how they just kept her identity a secret up until the very end as well. And, you know, how she just sort of shows up um, before the, the kills themselves. This kind of pretty much, like, it, it took my while. I was like, oh, that, that's who you are. Because even though the show doesn't tell you, I assume that she is a particular figure. And if you remember, uh, just given all the spoiler here, if you're familiar with Mask and you read that, you'll be like, oh, okay, that, that's who the reference is to. Okay, I, I think I get it. Okay, I like that, right? But yeah, she crushes it. Everybody is great in this as well, right? Um. And they do their thing, right? And even though they are scummy motherfuckers, though, um, they, they, they're given a lot of um, depth and char- um, to their character. So they're not all scummy, right? Like, there's varying levels of scummery to, to these characters, though. 
but yeah, you you, you kind of do feel it for them when they die, though. Like it, they they really do go out in messed up ways. T-Poy was like, nah, but you really had to go like that, boy. Jeez, right? But yeah, um, this is another win for Mike Flanagan. Uh, whether you're whether you're a fan of Edgar Allan Poe's works or you're magically familiar with his works, though, um, you know you will still enjoy this for what it is, right? But again, just don't go into this expecting it to be some horror fest or gore fest, right? At the heart of it all, this it's a really strong um, family drama. And it's just, again, just as the title says, it's just so appropriate. Yeah, it's really the fall of this family here, but you really, really feel it for, for these um, individuals. Though. You, you really see how how corruption itself just break, just, just tear, like literally rip this family apart, right? Uh, well, you know, well, before we get to Tracy, I'll just give my rating and then, Ricardo, you could give your, your rating, right? So for me, I'm going to give this a lighter, decent four and a half out of five, man. I absolutely enjoy this. This is one of the year's best TV shows. Um, expect this to be on many people's best of lists, including Succession, which once again, I will give the ch- uh, make the effort to check out. Thanks to this show here. So yeah, thank you, Flanagan. You knocked out the park here. Um, keep doing you, dude. Keep keep doing these really like thought-provoking um, horror films, right? Uh, whether it's serial, whether it's serialized or you know um, theatrically released, right? Keep doing your thing. See, Ricardo, your your final thought to read, and then we'll close things off with, with Tracy. Yeah, no, uh, as I said, you know, Flanagan don't miss. He 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 gave us a really really solid product overall. Um, just him stitching everything together with using you know old horror tropes and then modernize it for something that uh has builds real world anxiety and emotion into a situation. Uh, that that is where horror does work for me. And and he, this dude hit it out of the park. Um, all the, all the players really really work. I, I didn't think I would enjoy Carl Lumbly as much in this. I didn't know he was gonna be in this. I'm like, oh shit, he's great in this. Um, Bruce Greenwood as mentioned. And then yeah, Mark Hamildred. Like holy shit, like he was so good in this too. And and what what yeah, he was. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, he he was great. Yeah yeah. Yeah, and what what he represented, you know, just the idea of what does make these people, you know, these kind of trash people get away is that there's always have a weirdo who have no problem taking you fall for them right that was the something and that's why it worked so well and everything has come together so well um in terms of its conceit and and i i was you know i am somewhat not super familiar with poe i just kind of know the general conceits and and about about the uh the writer but like i immediately got oh this tying into his original material i'm not going to look back uh to the books or the or, well the movies you guys mentioned uh to to, to make better sense of it uh, because i do think i appreciate it as full um as is but i was just enjoying it for what it was and uh, uh they just really he just told a really great story you know surprisingly subversive material all things considered and uh personally i really really loved it um written uh yeah like a, a, a eight out of ten high eight out of ten to be honest uh yeah this is probably going to be my best of the year um with all that extra little bit of supplementary material i'll, I'll enjoy to make make better sense of this um like you know thematic wise i uh, loved it loved it as is and it probably go up as a, a higher um when i do that so yeah right so yeah tracy close things off show as much usher references as you as you want to <laughs> um you know <laughs> you 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 um you you ain't got the call that's all i'll say <laughs> uh, listen. yeah um <laughs> I, I i'm actually kind of kind of glad that you brought up the um the idea of succession because in my notes i had it scribble as horror succession so mm-hmm. yeah, that that legitimately is is a real thing. I was kind of hoping somebody online because I don't have any time for that would take the succession theme and put it over the House of Usher and see how it plays out. Uh, um, somebody uh, will. Somebody will. Somebody in the universe will mash it up. I I, I want to say to 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 the listeners out there, if you are a person who, for whatever reason, uh, you may not necessarily jive with horror or horror tinged material, um. 
the, the fall of the House of Usher is the kind of product, is the kind of series, is the kind of piece of television, is the kind of work that you can get into and not feel like if you are being overwhelmed with horror. Like anybody who knows me knows uh, Halloween and Carnival on my two days off. I already wear enough masks. <laughs> I, I look like a horror sometimes on my own self. So I just take those two holidays and those two occasions and just map out. Uh, but when I started to hear word of what was going on with the fall of the House of Usher, I was a bit intrigued. And then, and then I read that it was, oh, this is based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. Now, mm-hmm. I will say this. There were things of Edgar Allan's that I knew of, but I didn't know, like, I didn't know the, how to, the, the, the fall of the House of Usher, like that short story. And I was like, wait, how many years have I been on this planet? And I still, I, like, I, that was me. I was like, oh, my God. So what it caused me to do, and I thank you, Mike Flanagan, was to go back. Uh, because if you go on, like, the certain sites that gives you, like, the PDFs of all the short stories of Poe, and it actually made you go back and read The Fall of the House of Usher, read uh, The Black Cat, which was deeply hilarious, um, The Pit and the Pendulum. You get, I feel like if you are a literary person, if you're into literature, if you're a literary person, you might actually have a bit more of appreciation for Poe, and it may actually make you go back and watch, um, read, sorry, Edgar Allan Poe. So that is a really cool thing. There was a vibe that I was trying to figure out what it is about this series uh, that made me want to sit all the way to the end. And Ricardo touched on it very well. So I'll just kind of beef off of that in terms of the idea of real-world stuff that pulls you in. Because, uh, you know, I always make the joke that, you know, a friend of mine in the office always says, Rasta, no devil, so she don't watch horror movies. Right. And I kind of fall in line with, I kind of fall in line with that. I got enough of my own crap. I like sleeping. But the fact that these are real-life jokey scenes uh, you know, with people who have real-life proclivities that are just weird, you kind of be like, oh, okay, I get why X, Y, and Z would be happening and why this is a real thing. And even even that lemon speech, if I, if for no other reason, I advise you all to keep whoever is listening to this and you haven't seen it, go and watch it and just sit and wait for that lemon speech. There are two speeches in that um, series Three, sorry, in that series that works well. It is the uh, Lemon speech by Roderick, <clears throat> Winner's speech to him, where she's talking about money and less fortunate and how people operate with that. <clears throat> sorry, sorry about that. Winner's speech to him and Madeline's uh, final speech to Roderick. Those three monologues are so top tier, it is absolutely amazing. I, um, I'm one of those people who I, I would not have given it maybe a second thought if I didn't hear how good it was and how poor influenced it was. It also is kind of amazing to hear, you know, you guys at the beginning of the episode of, of, of the show today talking about how Stephen King likes him because I was sitting down there and I was watching it. And I was taken back to watching uh, these 90s, TV, Stephen King 
TV, made for TV movies. There was one right. with Calm Fjorge. Um, I can't remember really what it was, but I think it was called The Village or something like that. It was Calm Fjorge. It's, it's set in a seaside town, and there's this man who's come for everybody's children, and you could get the idea that he might be death or, or the devil or hell itself or something. But it was so... There was something about that that obviously has stuck with me to today. And I can tell that years to come, I'm going to be thinking about the fall of the House of Usher and think about how beautiful it was and how that reminded me of that. It does work wonders there. And I would also throw in, just for the sake of being hilarious, I would say this. Confessions by uh, Usher Raymond is episode one. Love in the club, and DJ got us falling in love, or love in the club. You can choose whichever one you want. Would be episode two. Um, oh, uh, uh, Usher's. Um, oh my God. Oh, oh, oh my God. That would be pit on the pendulum. Uh, I would throw in the idea of. Um, God, what is it? You got it bad towards the end. Maybe episode eight or episode nine, because. <laughs> How Frederick was operating is like, geez, you web man, give me a break. So that is, and that's just that's just kind of part of it. I'm sure if you go through some of a lot more of Usher's catalogs, you would be able to see the things there. What I thoroughly enjoyed as well is getting a mini. I mean, they didn't interact, but getting a mini Battlestar Galactica um, reunion because in this film, in this show, you got. Mary McDonald, yeah, and you also got Michael, who is Michael Trujillo, who Michael was a Cylon. You know, he was a Cylon. Yeah. Spoiler for anybody who's never seen it, he was a Cylon, and he was married yep. to Starbuck. And then, of course, Mary McDonald is President Rosalind. I don't. Yep. I mean, President Rosalind can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. So, just the idea of having those two, except, and except the election. <laughs> Except steal an election. <laughs> yes, I don't to steal a whole election because you couldn't afford. Anyway, I'm going off topic. But yes, that was was brilliant. Um, I mean, Luke Skywalker as Arthur Pym is so just it. inspired. It's 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 so inspired. It it really it it it, it felt really good. I got I was loving how. Um, Dupin's character was both his young side and his Carl Lumbly side. How it ended was very nice. I will say without spoiling, there was one character in there that I felt that I really felt that her fate did not necessarily need to be tied to the rest of those bastards. But I also understood why it needed to happen because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, but she was literally the innocent. And I was like, nah, man, come on, come on. You're going you're to do something with her. All in all, for someone who does not veer into the horror genre too much, um, and I say too much because there are things that say they are horror, but you sit down on it and it's like, this is so delicious, I need it. Like us from, uh, what's his face? Jordan um, Peele. Monkey Paw Productions. Yeah, Jordan um, Peele. Jordan Peele, you know, things like us. Stuff like that, that you just be like, oh, I, I kind of need to sit down and watch this. I will watch it any daytime, but I need to see this. So, that is where this this comes into play. So again, closing off, if you've never really cared for horror, or if it's something that you'd just be like, not me and this shit, um, I still think that you can sit down and watch The Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, Sir Bailey is right. It's not this super amped up horror fest. I have a friend of mine who said to me today, 
he was watching, he went and saw Saw, and he was watching the rest of the Saw franchise. I was like, good for you, pal. That's way out of my particular, you know, um, playground and comfort zone. But the fall of the House of Usher, what Flanagan has done for this is just, mwah, it is chef's kiss. So I will give this a 9 out of 10. I would give it a 10 out of 10 because I really have no flaws with it. But, you know, just for the sake of being ridiculous, I would give it a 9 out of 10. I would say there's something that you should go and watch. I would say that it has something for everybody. I would say, you know, to agree with everybody else on the chat that it it veers into the real-worldness, and it is because of the real-worldness that is what makes it super scary. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, and it really is. It really is gothic succession for all intents and purposes. So you know, you have that to throw in as yeah. well. Good show, very good show. Right, right. So I won't be talking about Taylor Swift the Eras tour, right? Yeah. Uh, reason being is that another horror. I, I, yeah, I did not see it, right? Uh, but I will do the preamble still, right? So if y'all don't mind, right? So Taylor Swift. Um, I just just to get this out of the way, um, I am not the biggest. I am not like a huge fan of of her work, right? Mm. Um, and it's just for me. It's just like I just need to sit down and take in her discography, right? Because I know it's uh, a large one, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, I know I lean a lot into rap music, but you know I do listen to other genres, right? So just just so you know, right? Uh, but you know, as as long as just the songwriting is great and the the the, mm-hmm. the performance is great, you know, what I mean, I'll 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 enjoy it, right? I know, like her her work has been, you know, at least some of the albums in her discography are regarded as classics now. But mm-hmm. for me, I just need to sit down and just start from the very beginning. But imagine that if I do, I I'll come out of it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I see why people love her work so much. And yeah, I, I probably might see myself as a fan of hers, right? Um, and I'm bringing this up too, right? Because of what this show is, right? This is a concert film, right? Right. But uh, usually, uh, we talked about this um, off here, right? Usually when it comes to concert films, right? Uh, we would get them theatrically, right? But they would just be... Like the marketing would just be so minuscule, right? right. Like the only place I would see ads commercials for this for for these films would be um like usually when i go to caribbean cinemas that's in tristany mall um i would see those ads like i would see one for metallica or i would see one for coldplay or one for bts right but there was something about taylor swift's uh the well the, the one for the era uh, the era store right yep um and i know this is just arbitrary like it don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things but just for me something about this just stood out to me right yeah. and I don't know if, if if anybody saw this trailer, right? But it's where it ends. I just see that that freeze frame of Taylor, right? I believe that her back is to the camera. I just see like the title is above her. I just see like the credits uh positioned to the sides that at the very bottom you see coming soon or whatever it is, right? And it just looks so eighties, right? But in a really good way. It reminds me of like um like how like if you saw the trailer for Blue Velvet, for example, like how it ends, it, it just reminded me of that, right? There was something so classy and so old school about that though that yeah. it really stood still to me, right? But trailer aside, um heard a lot of great things about this movie, right? And just the mere fact that, you know, she, you know, pretty much released it on her own, right? So it's not like, you know, she had some big, you know, production studio like uh 
you know, uh, 20th Century Studios to put it out or Columbia or Sony or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just pretty much put it out through her own right. know, production. That's, yep, you know, that's, that's, why, that's why I decided to go to see this. It's not because yep. I'm a trustee. But I was like, <laughs> yeah, she kind of doing something interesting here, especially she in really the right... Yeah, so she's in the right yes, time. Now, she's in one, few, one of the few people who are big enough to do something like this, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I like a precedent being set, to be honest. Like, the, the oh, yeah. 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 Um, we love a precedent right. being set. Um, right. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll wrap up my, my preamble, right? So, right. Um, yeah, but when it comes to concert films, though, I will I will seek them out, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's the recent Talking Heads one that Spike Lee did that I right. only checked out because Spike Lee did it, that was really cool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, like when I see stuff like say Beyonce, uh, Beyonce Homecoming, right, which was on Netflix, right. I absolutely love that film. Right? Yeah, and right. This was around, I wouldn't even call myself the biggest Beyonce fan, but I will I will admit that tax in that film, I kind of became a fan, right? And you know, just on the subject of that, uh, Beyonce will, will, should be releasing her Renaissance concert film, I believe, in December, right? I don't know if it's going to be released theatrically, but then again, it's Beyonce, so you know, right? And I have like that same sort of hope with this film that it's just gonna blow me out of the water, even though I don't know all the songs. I'm gonna really enjoy the performances. I'm mm-hmm. gonna just feel that energy and just be like, all right, now I need to go on Spotify and listen to this woman's work because I've been sleeping on her for so damn long. What's wrong with me, right? You know? <laughs> so it's like that. But mm-hmm. in terms of this review here, uh, well, myself and Tracy, we didn't see it, um, but Ricardo did, and Ricardo will, will share his thoughts as a non-fan, and CC, well, they saw it, so they will share mm-hmm. their thoughts on it as a fan, right? As but a Before we get yep. to, to, to you guys, right? Um, we have to bring in Tracy in this, right? Because I know Tracy, you are a Taylor Swift fan, right? So at, this is not me putting you on spot and saying, well, why is this? You didn't see this movie. You know, <laughs> Swift, God damn it. You should go IMAX to see it, right? But no, that's not, that's not it, right? But I just want to hear your thoughts on just something like this existing, right? A concert film from her theatrically released through her own you know studio through her own pocket right mm-hmm. and not through some other big you know studio right yeah just just your thoughts on that before we move on to the review itself well well first of all uh there i remember going online and seeing a whole bunch of uh people dancing in a circle in the front of the screen right uh, that's one, of, one of her screens yep. and i was like yeah okay so that's very midsummer get ready for that um that's <laughs> I can't remember who the directors were or who it was, but there were actual, and I use the word actual directors, so forgive me, but, you know, there were actual directors out there who were saying things like, Taylor is very brilliant, and, you know, yeah. she really has an eye for this craft and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and um, that I, is I, the kind of thing. Who it was? Uh, I can name them. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, Guillermo right? del Toro. Okay, there you go. He was one. Um, uh, what's his name? Sean Levy also said that... Mm. Yeah, because he, he was there. Yeah, he was the one. He compared her to. He said that she's got some of the. I mean, I don't know. Again, I, her film has not. She hasn't made her film yet, so I don't know. But he was saying that from his talking to her, she has some of the same innate storytelling abilities as like Steven Spielberg. And then Christopher Nolan was recently praising her, um, and the yeah. concert film release because of all of the good it's doing for you know theatrical releases as a mode. And how much, you know? and just how good it's been for business for all the theater chains that she's been doing this. I, I think, you know, when you get reports like that, and this is just me, you know, scrolling through Twitter and seeing, you know, 
Taylor Swift news in between all the other random stuff that's happening with Jada. I, you know, it's like you you get a bit of shining light when you hear directors say all these really good things about Taylor. It's like, okay, I need to see this. One, to see what exactly she's put out there. Two, right. it's a concept film, which... I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, you have this, you have the music in your ears and you're living in your own little concept, but a concept film, if you're not able to actually be there, it's a chance for people to come together, all her, of, of, yeah. of her fans or fans in general to come together and have their own concept. So for two hours um, or however long, you can sit inside there and sing Shake It Off and, you know, sing, you know, it's me, I'm the, the you know, this is, you could literally just peel the whole thing apart and just be like, this is a concept that I could not be there to be a part of. You are living vicariously through the screen. And that is, you know, that is, that I think is the thing that I would really want to just go and plant my ass um, and sit down and actually sit down, stand, make a set of whole noise. Um, or now life being what it is, and my clients being what they are, you know, I haven't actually been able to see it. So I'm going to defer to you guys in terms mm-hmm. of it. But I will, I will end with this. I do remember when Shake It Off came out, I had that in my phone, my other phone. And I'm in Marabella um, Massey, which is a supermarket for those of you who are not, not in Trinidad. And that is playing in my headphones. And I'm like, I have my grocery cart and my arms are doing things. And, you know, so... So imagine me being in a cinema where that, <laughs> where, where like a whole bunch of that <laughs> is going to be an experience. So, but I defer to you guys, but that's just kind of how I feel yeah. about the whole thing. Yeah, so CC, you want to go first? Uh, I uh, liked it, um, yeah. but it's one of those edits, edit things where, you know, she, she, okay, so again, not a Swifty, but, you know, you appreciate the, the, you know, all the production stuff about her and, and all this stuff about, yes. well, hey, right, she do something really interesting with this film and, right. oh, right, she, she, she take control of her masters, you know, some time back. Yes. And, yeah, she was she was also in the kind of big, big part of the Me Too movement with, with what uh, mm-hmm. one of, some DJ back in the days and so on and so forth. And she's always finding herself in a space like, oh, she had the center of this conversation again. And... Uh, for what I understand, this concert, these concerts be so big, they be tantamount to the Super, Super Bowl coming to your oh. city. Like, uh, these, these concerts are so big that there are several articles about world leaders actually saying, hey, Taylor, when are you going to come bring the Eras tour to our country? Because, right. Because, uh, like, so they, on so forth. Right. They are actually, yeah, was, no, because, like, everywhere she goes, it was actually observed economically that everywhere she went on the Eras tour, wherever she decided to play, the local economy saw a huge boost because you had yeah. hundreds of Swifties who would show up to like be there in person. And let's remind you, not only was she selling out these venues, she would have audiences who would just flood the parking lots just to like be there. So like every single venue is being sold out. Every single venue right. is being sold out and then some. There, every hotel in town is full. All the restaurants are selling like crazy. Like, yeah. like... So, like, of course, world leaders are going, hey, uh, Taylor, you want to you bring some of that magic touch to... And she's even right. receptive. Like, I think her most recent part of the Eras tour, she went to Mexico right. and has been doing a lot of good business over there. And it's been right. pretty great. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, all of that, it's all of that interesting conceit about it. But that's just watching the, the, the project on that production level. So, you know, much like with... You know, she... she I wouldn't say she about the same... Uh, we could debate about this because there's a... A simple factor as to why it's different, but uh, uh, mm-hmm. comparable to Beyonce, right? In terms of just that that mm-hmm. sheer 
fan popularity yes borderline cult like behavior um about her and and just watching the thing now this then i didn't really get a sense of the audience being like super hyped in this just watching it but again that's probably just the editing okay. like i'm not in the audience but they, they decided okay. to just focus on the show mostly um from a production standpoint it's solid solid theater stuff you know in terms of like mm-hmm. it's how they change outfits and they you know they cover up in yes. umbrellas for two seconds and then she change outfit and you know this part of the outfit slack and just watching the dramatic show play out right solid yeah. stuff um and how she just transitions from beat to beat um, in, in terms of discography like almost like the first two thirds of this don't know any songs like oh yeah i think i, I hear that one and then i heard the two songs that i'm familiar with which is uh bad blood and um shake it off that's the two one yes. the only two i'm right. familiar with right and as me and my me and my big man age right um <laughs> i yeah so i was just watching it as just a production spectacle yeah. um matthew you mentioned um homecoming beyonce mm. right comparable to that it's very well well made um mm-hmm. really well edited i think uh morning is serious I, I wish the camera work was a little more in your face but because of the nature of the stage it couldn't really be that yes. like unless they had some super okay. advanced drone they couldn't pull that <laughs> off they couldn't pull off some of them shots or whatever it is for what it was but it's still pretty good and then overall this is just pace itself out um i saw that clip that, that tracy was talking about earlier where where people in movie tongue which movie tongue was that i don't know i hope it's not I don't know if it was movie tongue I, I don't know if it was locally, yeah, but... No, it was locally. There's, a, there's a local... One of the local movie tongues. Somebody said movie tongue, but I don't know which one. I don't know if it was Central or if it was C3 or if it was... Holy tongue. crap. Wow. But it was a bunch of children <laughs> just da- literally dancing in front of the screen as if it's... In a circle. Yeah, like if it's... Yeah, a, like that, if they're that, day that, in the... Um, that that, that so, sounds like it was... Yeah. Like, that, that can happen in Porter Street. That, that's Probably. That's like Porter Street. Yeah, right. no. Like, yeah. And, and, I wouldn't put past C3 people, eh? Because C3 people kind of lose, eh? Um, I realize C3, C3 okay. movie talk real looser though like shockingly <laughs> shockingly undisciplined but um, no but yeah um, you know this is a product uh, this is an overall product and again watching this from uh, so I okay when Beyonce came to Trinidad uh, back way back when this is when uh, this was a year mm-hmm. after or right before right after Palance um, okay. I went to that and I was so impressed with the production value again going as me and my big hardback man mm-hmm. You know, money counting, <laughs> suit asshole way. Uh, that's what I want, I'm going to see. To see how these people mm. do this, how to see it work, how to see the machinery. I want to see gears. You know, um, Raymond Scott's Raymond Scott music playing in the background when I'm watching these people operate, right? If you know, if you know who Raymond Scott is, look it up. It kind of is a funny bit, right? Uh, that's what's happening when I'm watching this stuff, right? And just to see, just to see it from the outside, and then you yeah. know, you'll you'll get some research and do some research and and you know, see it from the inside and the behind the scenes stuff, right? And yeah, mm-hmm. I just think this was just such an amazing product overall. As I, I, you know, I, I totally understand why she's as big she is because she's legit talented. She keeps the energy aggressively intelligent. Like yeah, I think, yeah right. like one of one of the things about the Eras tour in particular and this movie is that she apparently like like because the Eras tour is I think some what it, so I don't know I would need to look at the numbers for what kind of for like how successful the Eras tour is in the history of concert tours. Some people have been saying it actually was pretty high and it's because right. she did a really smart thing where it wasn't just her newest album, it was hey I've been doing this since 2006. A lot of my... There are fans I have now who are adults, but I've also always got new fans coming in. And so this tour is going to be a celebration 
of my almost two decades of doing this, essentially. Right. Which I think was really hence, smart hence, because hence errors. That's why it's called errors. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it's the thing that's so. It's, it, it reminds me a little bit of the. Um, what was that concert? The one that like um, MCR came back. Um, uh, when we were young, I think it was called. Like it's, it's got it's it's got a little bit of that element of nostalgia, but then for like some of the younger. But she also even in the film made the argument that that some of these are albums that because of covid or because of other situations she hasn't she never got to do concerts for either right, right. so in so many ways it becomes a unique experience and somewhere in the process she clearly was like oh this would probably do really well because even though you know eras was like eras sold sold stupidly well there's there's still people who weren't able to go and at right. some point, she realized that it would do really well in some kind of the like a concert film version of Eras would do really well, especially in a theatrical release. And what I find absolutely baffling is that, like, I credit her kind of half with the decision to do this herself because she originally shopped this project around, and all these studios said, "Right, no, thank you," and right. that blows my mm. mind. I like, don't know. I don't. I don't to watch now. All I'm doing, you know, this was right at the end of some of the, um, you know, all the the the, the uh, what do you call it? Talk after. Yeah, yep, um, the writers strike. The writers. All right, the strike stuff. Right. I, you yep. know, it, it, listen. I still think that they, they should, uh, they, you know, another company should just tell them to f off with this and don't really take the deals, <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, it was just like kind of a little bit of a middle finger to the to the studio system, right? Yeah. Because, no, absolutely. Because like, who well, does get it cut? It, it, it's kind of what Nolan was saying when he was arguing about the theatrical experience when it came to Oppenheimer, about how like right. a lot of these studios don't seem to have a lot of imagination for what will do well. Like right. I cannot, I cannot understand how any how the head of any company would have Taylor Swift. She's just finished the Eras tour. You can see all the receipts for how much money it made. And yeah. she's like, hey, mm-hmm. I, I did a film mm-hmm. version. Would you like to distribute it? And they're like, nah, we're good. I mean, yeah. there have been, I mean, I've been enjoying some of the more recent. There have been a couple recent concert films that um, have been kind of dumped on streaming a little bit. Like, um, there was Billie Eilish did a um, COVID, did kind of a lockdown concert. I think it's like the Hollywood Bowl or somewhere like that for her newest album. Right. Um, Taylor's got a couple. And these were all things that got ended up on streaming but since i think the studios are kind of moving away from streaming at the moment there is kind of the question of is the concert film viable theatrically because again we're talking studio heads who don't have a lot of imagination and they have short attention spans Mm -hmm. so they don't remember back when i don't know like um oh goodness um when when prince released his concert film because because um what was what is Prince? What, I'm trying to remember Prince's concert film, the one he did for um, Sign of the Times. Okay, right, right. That, yeah, that's which, which, the late eighties or the yes, 90s. I'm trying to remember. Which, which also right. made really, which also made bank. And I don't right. know. None of these execs seem to be able to think back far enough to remember back when concert films made big numbers. And so it's baffling to see. And I feel like that it kind of rolls into the film and why I think the film is so phenomenal because it does kind of become taylor not it, it, it's essentially the taylor swift victory lap the movie mm-hmm. right right because this is this is a woman celebrating almost two decades of her career and at, she and i love the fact that she thanks her fans for the fact that hey because you guys have been loyal this whole time i was able to experiment with genre and i i had this visceral reaction to that because i remember back when she got criticized for that 
Like back when it was like, oh, Taylor Swift isn't doing country anymore. Oh, Taylor Swift's become yet another generic pop star. What is she even doing? And then like released Folklore and Evermore, which are more of kind of folksy albums after um, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you get an album like the like um, Lover, which is much more, it's my favorite of hers, which is more power pop. Um, 1989 is good. I, uh, the release, the re-release, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it challenges Lover as my favorite, but I'm waiting for the re-release on tw- at, uh, the 27th. <laughs> but it does become the celebration of, I mean, she go she d- makes a lot of, uh, a lot of lip services paid in the, in the movie to the fans, obviously is like, Hey, because of your loyalty, I've been able to do all this stuff for almost two decades. So this is for you. Um, and like as a vehicle for that. And, Ah, it's just, it's, it's, it's so interesting watching her go through all this stuff and watching her go through all the different, like all the different, you know, eras, right? Mm. And to like perform, perform all the different music, like some of, and like there were a couple, like, there's some songs like, um, I, despite being a writer die Swifty, um, I am not the biggest fan of Romeo and Juliet, like Romeo and like that song, but that's a personal thing. Um, there's, there's the reason it's, it's, it's related to why I don't like Nomeo and Juliet either. Um, but there's some songs that like hearing, I remember back in the day when everyone, like everyone was like, it, like when we were in the car on the way back from the movie theater, um, we were talking with a friend who had gone to see us and the friend was like, I remember back when it was not cool to like Taylor Swift, like back at like the absolute peak. And the weird thing about a movie like this is it kind of feels like, it feels like this victory lap but it feels like her saying thank you all for writing during those periods when like i was the punching bag and like the the butt of so many jokes all over the internet and like i've we've we've kind of come full circle i've kind of outlasted it's ironic but she's outlasted some of the some of the critics that were the most like some i feel like a lot of critics have pivoted on swift and and she's outlasted a lot like watching <laughs> watching the performance of bad blood and thinking about oh yeah back when taylor swift and katie perry had a rivalry back when katie perry was a pop star <laughs> right right like taylor has taylor taylor has really um like in this idea of like oh yeah taylor swift outlasted katie perry god, god yeah. damn um mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah, no. Yeah. Which is all right. Can, can I just ask one question before you oh, go, go ahead. to your final thoughts and rating? Oh, by um, all, well, by all means. Because it, it is a concert film, right? You know, you see yeah. it theatrically. So, what was the response of the audience watching this film, right? Uh, Ricardo and, and CC. What was, right. was the so audience I, reception I, 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 in my big man, I, unfortunately, I was in my big manage. I was in Gulf City. And it was just me and like two people in the background. Uh, there's just three of us okay. there. That was it. Nobody coming to see it. Uh, I mean, there's two younger girls. So again, I, I just have to like kind of constantly reassure them is that I'm here for research. Like, <laughs> you know, that's I, why I, I, was, I have no ulterior motives. No, no. I, you know, I was weird, and I was weird. Like, it was like all because I had to go to, I had to do something. Uh, you know, this day was it was the same day I did. I went to um the the, the election UE about censorship. Right, oh, so was, all right, that that would be on Tuesday, right? So yeah, right. I was wearing I was wearing my Caribou suit and I was just business time chilling out and that's I make sure yeah I have to 
watches research, whatnot. <laughs> yeah, they're just me empty yes. here, just talking, chilling out, and just watching it, and just, I just purely an analysis kind of way. You know, is that yeah. that that meme with Homelander watching the screen? <laughs> My face was just deadpan, <laughs> enjoying it. But it was, it was when when they got to the music, I was familiar with it. Day, I was tapping my toes. I was just, but yeah. I was just, I was just in pure, pure analysis mode. Um, for <laughs> other material, I would, I would love to see more concert stuff. Thing like I'm so the, the probably the, the big pop star that I'm probably most biased towards. Uh, right now is probably Janelle Money, right? And she has a concert tour going on right now. I think wrapping up. Uh, oh, okay, I will. Okay. I really hope they they would do something with her and that. Uh, but you know we don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but well, yeah. No, given yeah, the money, yeah, yeah. Uh, given the money exactly. this is made, I really expect more. I, I expect more theatrically released concert films. I would the like them to do that and do more with that. Or like you know, right now I I crack it up on the internet with the whole on mute trend, uh, <laughs> in Beyonce's stuff. That shit is hilarious. Like, look up that the whole on mute thing with Beyonce. Uh, that okay. that had me cracking up. But I hope they good. do like whatever Beyonce doing. I hope that we get like something with that. You don't have to bring it in theaters, but you know, I just want to see like a, a nice, well edited, yeah. put together concert film as well. Um, for rating for this, yeah, I I, I thoroughly dug this. Just really well made, you know, across the board. As I say, you know, you're playing, I'm playing the Raymond Scott, Raymond Scott jazz in in, in watching the material and watching all the gears yeah. turning this, and it's it's very impressive machinery. Um, overall, um, yeah, rating eight out of ten. I really liked it. My audience. Uh, well, see, my see, audience. Well, you know, well, right. You can talk about your audience, then yeah. you know, file thoughts and read. Yeah, my audience were on their feet, like almost, like, like it was funny because we, as I said, we went at eight p.m., so we really thought, okay, there's going to be fewer. Um, we we thought there were going to be like fewer, like like girls in particular, um, like because like Taylor, Swift, I, I don't know, Taylor Swift's fans are some of the oldest ones I know are in their forties, and some of the youngest I know are like eight. Um, so we but we really thought that getting an 8 p.m. screening would mean that we would get mostly like kind of older fans. Um, that was not the case. Uh, we we did like it was funny and it was also funny like our the theater we went to half of the screens they had playing the Eras tour and they were still having a pretty constant stream of like people coming in, people leaving, right. and then freshly like our theater. Um, the the they ended the screening and. Uh, they ended the, the first screening at like 3.50, I want to say, and then gave those poor theater workers like 10 minutes to like clean the place. And then and then the second screening started more at four. But and, and we did have to kind of and like those of us who had arrived, who had pre-booked tickets and had arrived early, had to kind of wait as like this stream of people from the, the screening right before us all came out and then we could all go in. And no, everyone was on their feet the whole time. There were people like. Maybe not as much. Like there was definitely singing among like a lot of the younger um, <laughs> fans that came, but um, and there were people. There were people. There were people dressed up, evoking different eras. Right. Um, a big thing that's been going on with the screening has been the the the, the bracelets, which is that which is the imagery that the the film itself even evokes. Um, there was a cup. There were a couple songs where people did the the cell phone lights thing. Right. In the middle of the theater, which was a, which in a theater, um, normally I would have problems with that because you have light directly up on the screen. But then otherwise, it's like okay, okay, no, no, th this is part of the. I appreciated the film's like the way the film is sound mixed. Um, editing uh, could be a little stronger, obviously, but the way the film is mixed, it does feel like the attempt is mostly to recreate that concert experience for you right. as much as possible, and right. like. Like almost to the point where like music clarity is sacrificed a little bit for crowd sounds, which I think I right, right, yeah, yeah. I, I got that as well, yeah, yeah, which I really appreciate. I appreciate that because like as someone as someone who definitely 
could not put money aside for the for the Eras tour. It was genuinely, um, it was definitely, it was genuinely great to be able to kind of get a little bit of that sense of feeling of the concert right. thing. But yeah, our audience were on their feet. Our audience was dancing, except for I like that she didn't do. She didn't do everything chronologically. Like, she kind of arranged them more by... Like, she doesn't play out the eras in the order in which they were released. She plays them in more of, like, a... She does a pretty smart thing of, like, bangers and then, like, a slower album. Bangers and a slower album. Bangers and right. a slower album to kind of give you a moment to breathe. And then you can get up and go back to dancing again. And just... I mean, that was really cool. That was really smart. I appreciated that. Right. Um, oh, rating. I forgot. Uh... Yeah, nine or nine or ten out of ten, honestly. Like I, I have no problems with this as Taylor's victory lap. And I actually think, yeah, Matthew, for someone like yourself that kind of needs to revisit Taylor Swift, this is a good this is a good starting place, I think. Because it it goes over the breadth of her career so far. It goes over the hits, whether it's the stuff you remember, or even some of the stuff that maybe passed you by. I think it's a good it's a good um it's a good intro for those of, for those of us who are already fans. It's a it's a cool celebration. I think for newcomers, it's more of like a good introduction, and then depending on whichever era pick takes your fancy, it's like oh okay, and then you can go listen to the rest of that if that makes sense. All right, all right, um, and I'll, I'll close this. Haha, I yeah. have the last word. So I actually <laughs> did see a concert film theatrically. I just remembered what it was. Michael Jackson. This is it. Right. Oh, awesome. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. I actually had the soundtrack at a point in time. Oh, well done. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, when, when you brought up, you know, putting your cell phone in the air, uh, CC, <laughs> I remember um, when, when Michael performed, I Just Can't Stop Loving You. That was that was that was his cell phone moment for me. Ah, there I, you I go. It, you know, cause th- that that's the song where you do that, right? But yeah, that was that still remains the sole concert film I saw theatrically. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. I really should recap it or at least rewatch it um but of course you know it's not something that you'll hear about because you know i believe this was re- released months after um mg actually died right okay right so I'm not okay that, yeah, yeah so i'm not saying that the eros tour is going to be forgotten over time right um just the yeah, fact that it's released in you know period you know um is going to be remembered right I but am I hope that yeah. this show will have longevity over the years, right? I it will be, uh, a stop talking sense, right? Uh, yeah, stop making yeah twenties. I'll stop there. I am intrigued because she's been so smart up until this point. I'm like, who is going to distribute this physically? Because right. that contract is going to be lucrative as fuck. Like whoever, right. whoever, right. whoever picks up the rights to distribute this film on DVD and Blu-ray is going to make bank because even the people who saw it, the actual era's concert tour and the people who saw the movie are definitely going to pick up the physical version. Like there are people who saw her on the era's tour who still went and saw the movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It has yep. legs as the, it has legs as the kids see in the business. The legs business for days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause yeah, cause this is, it was released, um, on, on home media, but that was actually released. I, I can't remember who, it out right yeah. but yeah um yeah Check so you're right you're right the era store has to come out you know some some in some way shape or form on blu-ray with you know a nice box to go with it and some great bonus oh, yeah. features or something i don't know oh that and would of be course, nice you know some cds you know that'd be nice for me at least i could have her discography <laughs> in my hands right but yeah but yeah, yeah um, thanks for the for the for the reviews guys i will, I will right. check it out i'll definitely check it out i, I do yeah, highly recommend theatrically but if i don't uh then i just hope that it comes out digitally or you know on home media and i could see for myself right and, yeah and have, definitely yeah 
Alright, and last but not least, let's talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. Sure. Um, I? I am so excited to talk about this, right? And I... Tracy, I know you didn't see it, but uh, we, we, yeah. you know, we, we'll keep things as spoiler-free as but possible, I, I, right? Because we want you to... No, 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 no that's fine. Because the more special. information I hear from you guys, I mean, it's just more excited that I, that <laughs> I will be to go inside. I mean, it's Martin Scorsese anyhow. So I know. I... I genuinely I, thought there was a time. Like, I, I genuinely thought that I would never get to see because, like, because his last, because because after um, they botched Silence's release, and then after the yeah, Irishman, right. went Net, and then after the Irishman went to Net, was was a Netflix film. Yeah, I yeah. I was convinced that I wasn't going to be able to see a Scorsese film in theaters. Yeah, I genuinely thought that that was the end of Scorsese's um, period. You know, uh, I don't know if Matthew have to make the rant, but I have to make the rant too. Uh, they did not show it in my local close cinema, so I had to like go a little further. That kind of pissed me off. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. I had to make so, a little so, extra so, so. Uh, extra trek. I mean, it, it's not a big, big trek, but it is a trek nonetheless. The mere fact that I, I want to live in my 15 minutes, city, guys, come on. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but, but getting a bit of Ricardo, right? Because, yeah, we are we are to get into a brief little mini rant, right? So I'll start with mine, mm-hmm. Ricardo. You could expound on yours if you want, right? But, yeah, similar to you, Ricardo, um, this did not show at the at the local theater, if you will, right? At least the cinema that's the closest to me. So I had to go all the way down to Port of Spain to see this, right? I had to go to Movie Town to see this, right? Um, IMAX, which is so strange, right? It's so ironic because we just talked about the Aero Store. So they, they, they're running that basically in the afternoon, right? And then they only have one screening of Killers the Flower Moon, which is E30, right? And I had a choice. I was like, all right, I could watch this because it's close closer to my workplace, right? But I'm like, it's a Saturday night in Port of Spain, right? Everybody's out liming and I'm here probably going to be the only person inside that cinema watching this movie for three and a half hours. So I was like, all right, let me just go to Movie Town where it's, you know, it's, um, it, 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 I actually don't have to worry about, you know, um, falling asleep on the show or having to hold the piss, you know, for longer than I should, right? And I'll talk about that in, in my review of, of, of that, right? But yeah, boy, um, this, this brings up a really serious problem for me and I just, you know, with, with Ricardo, um, about just, this like the accessibility of these films, right? So, yeah. I mean, I understand it's three and a half hours, and you you, you want to think numbers, right? Like, oh well, people are not gonna sit down to to watch this. I mean, this. I mean, the the the, um, the Taylor Swift film is like what two and a half hours? A little change, okay, that's fine. Um, but I don't think people are gonna sit down to watch a drama from Martin Scorsese. But it's Martin friggin' Scorsese. That that's that's the point, right? It's when when was the last time that we saw a, a, a film from him theatrically, right? Look, The Irishman did not come out theatrically. We, yeah. we saw it on Netflix, right? So yeah. at the very least, even if it's just for a week, show it on in um for, for um in in all theaters. And if you don't get the numbers, if people don't show up, then you then you um then you take exactly. Away, right? Well, but, I, I, yeah. I I I find but, it but, but in my that's, case. That's, 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 last point, that's last point. Yeah, last go ahead. Point. Yeah, sorry. But mm-hmm. don't assume that. Oh, because a select, you know, type of people will will go see it. All right, let's leave it at this spot, or uh, let's keep it to the west, or let's keep it in this area of the south, and not in that other area of the south. You know what I mean? Because it, it it just sounds very um, it's, it this kind of comes off very egregious in my opinion, right? But whatever, we saw it. Don't mind we had to spend extra money to see it. I spent way more money than I expected, but. I'll share my thoughts on it. But yeah, Ricardo, take it away. Yeah. What no one? In my case, I find it particularly obnoxious uh, because same people, same company. So they show it up not, right? Uh, in the same thing. Right. And yet they, they'll hold it back in the same theaters down south 
And in my humble opinion, for no good reason. It's like, dude, if it's not showing down so then it could stop showing it. But it should show at the same time. Because they have it advertised, you know, technically. It's just it coming soon. They did the same thing with Oppenheimer. I'm like, what the hell? I'm supposed to see. Put it out in the first week. If it not, if it don't have the legs, then drop it. I get that. But they, they, they do the opposite now, which I really find goddamn annoying. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's about it. Yeah, moving on. But, 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 but rant, rant, rant aside, yes, we yeah, are moving on. Um, yeah, lo- lo- local cinemas get your shit together, right? People yeah. will come to see these films. Yeah, it right? have it, have it, have our audience. Yes. Yes. This has been the year that it has proved that who love film. We need, Sorry, yeah, no, and we need more than just the regular blockbusters. All of yeah. the big blockbuster superhero films, except for Guardians 3, underperformed this year. Every yeah. and not only, not only underperformed, but badly mm-hmm. underperformed. Badly. Like, very bad. Yeah. Not even close, yeah. Every single one. Meanwhile, Oppenheimer, Barbie, The Eras Tour, and now Kill Us the Flower Moon have all been doing fantastic. Yeah. Like, the yes. people have spoken. Yeah. Yes, we, and and don't say oh it's it's American thing or North America or North American thing. Sorry, no, no. There there are people in Trinidad that will go see it. Uh, you can leave it for a week, for we care, but people will go and see it, right? Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm right. done with that. I'm done with that, right? <laughs> so yes, folks. Um, this is the newest release from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Martin Scorsese. Um, mm-hmm. at age eighty, right? You're mm. dropping this film, right? Um, and this is right after you know the the Irishman, which was dropped on Netflix, which um, I absolutely enjoyed as well, right? Yeah, great. Um, but I I I will compare those two films in my review, right? Um, because you know the the, the big concern with this film, you know, um, even for for myself too, is the three and a half hour runtime, or I should say three hour and thirty six um minute runtime, right? Uh, well, sorry, three hour and thirty six minute runtime, right? Um, if it's justified one. And if it's worth, you know, the you know, um, the the ticket price to see it theatrically, you know, um, or you know, because the, the the question a lot of people have is, you know, should I go and see this theatrically, or should I wait whenever it comes out on Apple TV and see it there, and you know, I could pause whenever and you know, get whatever and you know, bathroom breaks and do that, right? Because that's what I did when I saw um, <laughs> the Irishman. I took my right. uh, you know, a couple of bathroom breaks here or there, but I still was in tune with what was going on. I love the film, right? But in this case, though, I took the risk, you know, as as you know, um, Ricardo and CC did. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. theatrically. Um, yeah. Didn't want to buy the popcorn and the, and, the, and the soda But I did I did And I'll talk about that to my review, right? But yeah, <laughs> uh, CC, take it away What is Killers of the Flower Moon about? So In um, in, the, in, the, in the kind of 1910s 20s yeah, um, yeah. Nine, well, well, actually, back well, before then Because there's a little context needed The Osage okay, right, Yeah, right. the Osage the Osage Reservation in Oklahoma struck. Oil was discovered on the Osage Reservation in Oklahoma. Uh, the Osage are, uh, for people who do not know and have not seen this movie yet, they are an indigenous people, one of the numerous uh, Native American indigenous people groups. Um, so because oil was discovered on their land, they had access to a level of wealth that most reservations do not and, like, did not and to this day do not have access to. And so the culture developed in a very particular way. And so you got to see what like wealthy indigenous life would actually look like. Like you got like, I've always loved a lot of the photos and everything from that time period where you see like Osage, like you see this combination of Osage fashion and like 1920s fashion as that wealth continued to sustain them into the like 20s. Right. But around the 19, late 1910s into the 1920s, a series of murders 
started happening on the on Osage land. Um, and the th- like, like most of like, and, and like for every single one, there was like most, like none of them were investig. Originally, none of them were investigated. They were all shady as fuck. And like, as the, and the movie does a good job showing this as the murders progressed, they got more and more blatant. Like we're talking about people, like people dropping dead or dying for other things to like a house being blown up. Um, and eventually, um, this led to a newly formed federal agency known as the Federal Bureau of Investigations right. to be sent in to try and, like, at the behest of the Osage, were sent in to try and figure, like, to try and solve the murders. And they ended up, and not not getting into spoilers. Um, so this is this is essentially the real life history behind the movie. Um, it was like it was written made into a true crime. It was written as a true crime novel. Right. Scorsese of the same name kills the flower moon uh martin scorsese uh picked up the rights to adapt it short around i think around the time he was in post or distributing the irishman he picked up the rights to the book and worked with um oh goodness i'm trying to remember the name and worked with a particular screenwriter to adapt it to film oh, but uh, then that, that would be eric roth eric, eric roth thank you and he worked with eric yeah. roth to make a film but then because he decided, being Scorsese, he wanted to shoot it on Osage land, and he wanted to shoot it, and he wanted to shoot it in cooperation with the Osage. And when he did, he opened he opened the film up to them and said, "Hey, like we we want to get this right." And he, I think he he even has said in a couple of recent interviews, he was like, like as much as he liked the book, he felt that it was very it was very preoccupied with the white male FBI agents investigating the right. case. And the yes, white he, men. Yeah, change your point the, of view. Yeah. Yes, and so once the Osage were brought on, and even, I think even in the original draft, the the main point was to shift the perspective from the white men perpetrating the crimes or the white men investigating it to the Osage people who were the victims of this, of this, you know, of this attempted genocide. Like, I mean, it it didn't happen all at once, but it was definitely a conscious effort because. I mean, the movie, like, not getting into spoilers, but the movie does reveal that, yes, the murders are very real, and they are very much a carefully orchestrated plot to right. take the wealth away, because essentially you have a, a series of... The the film does a great job, in my opinion, of showing that, like, it's one of those rare... Like, you see the, the almost bizarre image of, like, wealthy Osage, you know, getting off, their, getting off the train station, and having, like, poor white chauffeurs competing with each other to see who can get, like, a tip, and it's like, it's almost like another planet at that point, right. given from, like, like mm. most of the rest of the history, and there's a lot of white resentment of that wealth. There's a lot of right. idea, and Scorsese does not flinch from the racism and the hatred and the xenophobia at all. There's this genuine sense of we are the ones who deserve this wealth. We are the ones who this all this oil money should be going to. And so this is a very carefully crafted genocide. At the core of it is a story, is this relational story between an indigenous woman named Molly and um, this man, Ernest, who they do like like he he courts her they get into a relationship they get married and they have children together but he again not getting too much into it and i because th- i think the film does a brilliant job of playing certain things ambiguous until towards the end the 
he his level of culpability in what is going on is really interesting and like how involved he is or not involved but like so like how much he thinks he's involved or maybe i should say how he thinks his actions are justified that is the character played by leonardo dicaprio um Robert De Niro plays his uncle, William Hale, who will probably go down as, like, one of the best cinematic villains in recent memory. In a while, yes. I thought uh, Robert like De Niro was very good in this. Long, long. I agree. Like, you hate this man by the end. Like, yeah, for real. One of De Niro's best performances, but one of his best villain roles. Like, I was trying to think, like, I'm trying to remember the last. Like, like um, I, I, li- I love... Irishman, yeah, he's really yeah. good in that. I, yes. I, I really like his villain performance in Cape Fear as well. Right. Another right. Scorsese oh, collaboration. To see that. Mm-hmm. Another Scorsese collaboration is fantastic. But in this movie, oh, he's terrifying and he's mm-hmm. despicable and absolutely like you. You hate this man so much, and then, but I th- but 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 everyone in the film, from the cast to Scorsese himself, and I think most critics and like I agree. The revelation in this film is Lily Gladstone as Molly. Yeah, she's very good. Uh, she, she, oh my god, I yeah. can't, I cannot remember the last time I saw an actor who could do so much acting with their eyes, like so much of the like performance and so much of the acting. So yeah, um, three and a half hours. The film starts as more of like you see this relationship develop between these two, with the murders going on in the background and getting more and more sinister. And then, like, the last, I want to say, hour of it yeah, is that's where when, it kind of... Yeah. Well, yeah, when, when Jesse Plemons comes. Yeah. Yes, Jesse Plemons as the head of the FBI investigation into the into the murders. That's when it really takes... That's when it, that's when it becomes more of an investigation. And, and, about butcher, and, and about a bunch of, like, cameos at this point. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Which, which yeah. you... Well, sorry, one in particular that caught... I well imagine everyone who saw it here by surprise though. I don't want to spoil it, right? Right. I, I know. Like, oh I, my god, you in the we're, are, yeah. we're, we're talk, we're, are we talking about the defense lawyer or the prosecutor? Both because of them. The, the defense. Oh, well, the, him. Well, more, 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 more the attorney than the prosecutor. But right. yeah, the yes. Holy shit, you! <laughs> I heard he was involved, and I was floored. How like I mean, I knew he was a good actor, but like I never thought I'd get to see him work with Martin Scorsese. Holy right. shit! Yeah. Yeah, boy. Wow, wow, wow. But yeah. But... No, um, I thought you were gonna. Uh, yeah, no, that was that, that's so. So in a nutshell, that's what the film's about. It it starts. It's uh, Scorsese and the Osage and Eric Roth do a great job of taking what was essentially like a straightforward um true crime procedural and turning it into a pretty fucked up. Um, relational story like Scorsese I was watching an interview with um, Scorsese and the chief of the Osage people they were talking about the film promotion video and they were talking about how Scorsese always saw the relationship between Ernest and Molly as kind of a microcosm for the relations between white and indigenous America especially in this situation and I think so the film works on both of those levels in a fabulous way but Yes. Um, if other people want to go into their thoughts, um, I, I I need to be stopped before I just gush. Right. Well, well, okay, okay, okay. So so in this particular case, I mm-hmm. I want to I want to close off this this review here. So mm. uh, CC, you could just give your final thoughts and rating, then Ricardo will do his, and then then I'll jump. In. Okay. Um, one thing, a couple other things that I really, oh my god, absolutely loved about this movie. Um, 
the way the violence... Scorsese is really in his autumnal period, you know? Like, that period of any great artist when they're near... When they're, like, much older and they... The way in which they approach their art is really interesting. Like, um, Miller's in this phase as well, and he's turning out some of the best work of his career. Um, Kurosawa, in this time of his life, was making films like Ron. So, like, like that's kind of where Ron. Love Ron. Love Ron. And I, that's I, I, where... I, I kind of yeah. have it up there as, as the best Kurosawa film, but it, that, it that's really is. It really is. Like, um, I kind of love like, that movie so much, but yeah. Scorsese is really in that, like, late stage part of his career. And, I, and it's interesting to see that, despite being an artist, at the peak of his craft, like, I... Like... This man is on an absolute winning streak. Like, even if you... I mean, Wolf of Wall Street is a, is a debatable subject. Um, I know most people like it, and I will give them that. I I'm do. not the biggest... I, right, I'm not the biggest fan personally, it's, but that's like a personal... It's a, it's a loaded like, film. I, I understand. It's a loaded film knowing what I know about the background of the movie and how it was funded. Yes. That's, that's yeah. the problem with it for me. But if I were to just ignore all of that, uh, it's not bad. <laughs> but putting, I don't love but it. it a, <laughs> yeah. But then... But I'm trying to think of a filmmaker who's had a run of good films like Silence, Irishman, Killers, right? Right. Yeah. Like that is a that is a strong three film streak yeah. for me. Like that yeah. is that is a strong three film streak for me. Like that, yeah. and they're all like like Scorsese has gotten like he he's not quite as frenetic as he was earlier in his career, maybe. But a lot of his work is it has this slower pace to it. It's got this calm until it doesn't like it's got these it's it's got a lot of like these calmer compositions it's got like this um these are films that are all painfully human like 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 shockingly painfully human um the absolute like the way in which they're composed the way in which they're made um his choice of music at this stage in his career is really interesting to me um i there's a use of um, Dark is the Night, Cold is the Grave by Blind Willie Johnson. Um, I th- it that's the track that drops during that one fire scene. If you remember oh, that sequence, okay, like, okay, okay. yeah, no, I, I I know Scorsese loves the blues, and I lost my mind when I heard that track, but it works with that scene so well. Like and like, I don't know, like like there's something about. Some people have already been posting and sharing, like, some of the photos and, like, historical footage that they recreate for the movie directly compared with the real stuff it's based on. And the attention to detail is absolutely shocking. Like, it's absolutely... The texture of it is so good. Um, The... I love how it never gets too far from the true crime part of it, especially towards the end. Like, the very, very end of the movie, you know what I mean. Like, the... Like, like the bit that, like, like right after, like, love that you know bit. what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. I thought that, that was so clever. That is so good. It is yeah. so clever. It's so, because it's acknowledged, it, it feels like it's kind of acknowledging the true crime, like, roots yes. of, like, of the source yes. material. But right. it's also, yes. it's also maybe kind of winking at some of the shortcomings of true crime to tell right. these types of stories yeah. a little bit. Yeah, the framing of it is great. Yeah, that, I, I love what it did there. Oh, and yeah. also, like, and someone makes like another cameo, which is funny, but yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's what. Oh, that cameo is fantastic. <laughs> yes. Lost my mind again. Um, oh God. Um, that was no, no, that absolutely fabulous. And then I think the only thing that I, the other note, the, the note I'm going to leave on. Obviously, I jump in when you guys are talking, but like the one note I want to leave on before my rating 
is I love that despite everything that happened, it's ultimately a story about survival more than it is a story about tragedy. Like, this is a story about an atrocity, don't get me wrong. And I really love the fact that the film takes a moment to remind us of what was going on in the wider United States at one point with... um, and, and also what was also happening in the state of Oklahoma at around the same time at that one point where they where they make a little nod to Tulsa. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, this was kind of a white this was and is kind of a wider problem in the United States at the time. Like this isn't like an isolate. This isn't kind of like isolated genocide. These types of atrocities are being committed all over the country um, in a variety of different ways. Um, but ultimately, this is a story about survival. Like, this isn't... I was... Like, of course, I'm wor- whenever you see a movie about a historical tragedy, you're always worried... Or, or an atrocity of anything. You're always worried this is going to be tragedy porn, right? Like, you're worried right. that, like, the, the, like, like, you always are a little worried that it's like, okay, this is the part where we feel, like, we feel bad about the things that happened and, like, you know, we get to have a nice little bit of historical distance and go, well, that was the past. And like, thank God right. we're more civilized now. But it, this is a great moment to just kind of feel sad. Um, Spike Lee did a pretty good job of dodging that as well when he did Black Klansman with that right. ending. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but um, additionally, this is ultimately a film about survival. It's a film about all of the it's a film about the struggle for survival and how hard it is to continue like like. It's a story about the fight against greed and like how absolutely monstrous greed can be. And it's, I don't know, like it, it's just, like it's a tale, it's like especially that last shot, like that last pan shot right before the credits, you know the one I'm talking about. It feels ultimately like it, it, it frames the film as this is a tale of survival. This is a tale of atrocity. This is a tale of genocide. But this is a tale of people doing their best to survive in spite of all that is happening around them in addition to being right i'm gonna make a a, a point I'll, i'm gonna bring up that that final shot um in yes. my review, right not gonna spoil anything right. but i'm gonna bring it up right but yeah go on but no for me my this is gonna be anyone who knows my um who anyone who anyone who knows that i've been on this channel for a few years knows that my end of the year lists are generally uh, like mostly like like mostly older films I discovered but then also some new films this is going to be a year in a while where my top like my my best film of the year is going to be a is going to be a really hard choice because this is another 10 out of 10 for me this is another absolute perfect movie for me and the fact that we're getting so many of these brilliant historical films at the moment has actually been absolutely, I kind of suspected we were going in this direction when the last duel came out a couple of years ago, which is a film that I right. still yes. contend is an absolute masterpiece. But this year we got Oppenheimer killers of the flower moon. And then later we're getting Napoleon. Right. Like I'm and, well, well for Tracy who's been quiet. There's, there's, there's Bobby. <laughs> no, like a Barbie too. Like Barbie too was awesome. Bobby is very historical. I will put that on there one time. Okay? No, I mean, like I mean, yeah, no, like so. I, 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 yeah. Go ahead. No, finish, CC. I just have like one random thing that has little to do with, but at the same point in time, something. <laughs> but after, no, uh, ten out of ten. Um, Guillermo del Toro said. Uh, on Twitter a few months ago that Martin Scorsese is the greatest living American filmmaker. And I think the thing about that Hells sentence yeah. 
I think the thing about that about that statement is that there is not a single American filmmaker who would dispute it, except maybe Scorsese himself. And then there was a review on Letterboxd that I absolutely loved that was like, can can Scorsese just make movies forever, please? Because they just, and I'm like, yeah, I, I want to live in a world where Scorsese just makes movies because I haven't had a problem with them, and I really want more. I I need more. I want more. Um, the fact that he recently was saying, like, you know, I think I'm finally getting to the point where I might want to start slowing down. I'm like, you are making, like, you are make, you are in your masterpiece era. You can't slow down. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but yeah, um, 10 out of 10 for me, absolute masterpiece. Um, I will be thinking about this one for a long time. And I look forward to this new age of, like, intelligent, widely released historical dramas mm -hmm. that are maybe nice, juicy runtime. I like long movies. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, Tracy, what do you bring up? Do you point now or, or, or later? <laughs> uh, no, I'll, ju I'll just say this on a side because um, I'm seeing the thing about living on Twitter is you get to see the good and the absolute horrid. So yes. people, I'm seeing one or two people on the right uh, mm. starting to talk about, you know, Martin is doing his quote, first political film and how political the oh, film gosh. is and blah, blah, blah. You, and you, can, really, say Ar you can say Armand Ar Ar White. Armand White is such trash. Holy shit. Dude. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh my God. Listen, I, I cannot believe I was like that. It's like that to no I'm sitting on there thinking, wait, hold on. This is the man who gave us the last temptation of Christ. You know? Yes. And when that I movie do. came out, what that did for... That is like, the last movie that get banned in Trinidad, you know? Really? Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I think it still remains the most controversial film of all time. Right? Even though there's <laughs> content-wise worse films than that. Huh? Oh yeah. So, the, the, you know, I, with the, with that in mind, you know, I we talk about like the intelligence and that kind of stuff. I really hope that people, you know, get off their soapboxes and their high horses or whatever, and just go and see. Not everything has to either a be like big splashy you know, CGI something, one. And two, yeah. not everything has to be, oh, this is not making me feel comfortable. You know, it, it's history. It's not yep. supposed to necessarily make you feel comfortable. It's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to make you be like, maybe we, you know, not continue down this path. Because even though that was one story, this the, the path is still something that we're on. So to sit there and suddenly be like Martin Scorsese is woke or he's doing his political films, I, I, these are the things that oh annoy me. So God. I just wanted to put that out there to tell people, stop that, stop it. And as for no, like yes, the no, length, no. you know, just, just, just stop it. I grew up, uh, as for the length, I grew up watching, I always tell people this, I grew up watching, you know, anybody who lives in Trinidad knows on a Sunday afternoon you have from 12 to 4 or 5 is a four-hour Bollywood movie. So Thank you. So to sit down... And you see a three hour, and then of course Easter you have Ten Commandments, which was not one hour. So you know, you, 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 I kind of grew up with that. So when I hear people, like I would hear critics talking about, my God, this movie is three hours. What am I supposed to do? And I, I did, and I'm Watch sitting it. on Twitter watching these things, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> so that was me. I still am going to go. I'm going to go once I clear up all the crap happening here. I'm going to go in and take it in because that needs to be seen on a screen. And so thank God oh, for yeah. multiplexes. But yeah, you know, that's me, the end. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so so before before I talk about the film, Ricardo, your thoughts and written. Yeah, um, so, well, we'll talk about the length because my thing with length is that length after a silver poop and not be fat, right? And yes, mm -hmm. I do think this film is a little too long. 
to be honest, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly with the first two hours, uh, you know, I felt they could have trimmed some of that. Not too much, just but trim some of it, just uh, have it flow a little better. Mm-hmm. Because nothing to do with the objective conceit about length or anything like that. It's just... You know, it need to flow better. That's how I feel about that. Uh, but once Jesse Plemons comes in, um, I was hooked for that last hour. And, and right. the investigation and the trial uh, is great. And then, yeah, the last piece of the, the, the that framing, framing piece they do at the ending, um, I just thought it was just absolutely brilliant, you know, with, with that yeah. final little, little cameo. I, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. That, that was like a great little, you know, glottal stop to the, to the end of the film, and it makes it work so well. Um, uh, so the actual criticisms, if anything, if anything, I felt Leo was kind of the weak link here, right? So it's not that he was bad mm. or anything, right? I, not that. But what happens is that he was playing against De Niro. And, and on, uh, what happens is that De Niro completely disappeared into his role. I wasn't thinking Robert yes. De Niro at all. But with Leo, I wasn't getting that. And I couldn't help but notice it. I was noticing Leonardo DiCaprio and <laughs> this monster, right? So yes. that's the thing. In fact, it, in fact, Leonardo right. DiCaprio felt more like an adult version of Arnie Grape almost. Like you know, the person he was playing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it felt yeah. something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I um, well, well, I, well, well, just, just, just a cut in there. Sorry about that, right? And and you know, I promise you, you could, you could intervene in my review, right? Um, yes. I feel it's because we, we, we kind of identify Leo, um, Leo to display these. I don't want to say stern, but you know, like every time you see him in a film, he always looks stressed out. He always looks burned by something. Right. So it's like he he's he's playing that type of character again, uh, but like as you said, compared to to uh, no, I mean, Nero, he, right? he feels. I mean, I, I should I should use Ardy Grip. No, I say Ardy Grip is a bit extreme, but but you know, he felt like Dalton, right? From from uh, Once Upon a Time in in Tig, right? Oh, in, yeah. In, in Hollywood. In Hollywood. No, no, in, in Hollywood. In Hollywood, right? Yeah. He felt like like a, a, just a slightly dumber version of that dude. Like it's that. So, and I, and yeah, I couldn't yeah. help but, again, I was watching it, and I look, he played against Robert De Niro. I know who Robert De, yes. De Niro is, but when I'm watching this figure, right, it's like, I know Robert De Niro, that is Hale. Right? That is Hale. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, Robert De Niro was, was lost into the role, I, I, but with, with Leo, I didn't get that. That is all I was seeing. Not a thing. Yeah, no. Um, uh, the, oh, gosh, the actress who played Molly Lynn, what's her name? Lily Gladstone. Lily Gladstone, right. Lily Gladstone. She was absolutely brilliant. Loved it in this. As, as you mentioned, how to act with eyes. Yes. yes. She, she, was, she, was, she was the, the to me, the, the, the kind of the moral core of the thing. Um, yes. You know, the, the, the moral figure of it and, and what they do with the conceit of it. And, yeah, she's she, she just, absolutely like, I just really, really loved it in this. And I thought she was just, she was just such a, such a great, like, Revelation in this to me. Um, yeah, I yeah. forget what she was in before. She was in something before. It's slipping my couple, mind right now. Um, she's in uh, the uh, second uh, season of Reservation Dogs. Right. Um, so that's all. I'm trying to think what she was in. That's slipping my mind. Um, couple different first films. Cow. First Cow. That's what she oh, was. Uh, that's what I remember yeah. from. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I still haven't seen that. Right. That's what I remember from off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, I I just um I I thoroughly loved her loved her in this. She was good, and it, it just the, the entire story and and why it works so well because it it, it does this Scorsese stuff right. It really feels like a kind of like yeah. old timey Goodfellas at parts, right? It it's it's just a history of the crime. They frame it backwards from a different perspective from the book, which is a very good call, and yeah. they make it genuinely sympathetic and 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 you know just just dark and sad, but they. It still have a, 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 a playfulness, a dark playfulness to the whole thing that makes it work now. There's a lot of yes. like good, surprisingly humorous parts. That... There's a there's something involved in a paddle, that's all I'll say. Yes! That shit that shit had <laughs> yes! me cracking up. But it was like, yeah, they they oh, real it real dark though. Like where we're going for. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like, but, but yeah, go ahead. Did, um, you, sorry. did you say you read the book? 
No, I, I haven't read the book in its in its okay. I'm familiar with the story. Like I'm very familiar okay. with the story, but I, I never actually sat down and re- read the book for myself. But I know the I've I've done a lot of research and extra stuff. But to sit down oh, and actually okay. read the book for myself, didn't do that. No. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure because I'm curious how much it deviates from the book. No, it's, it's just mostly from framing, like just okay. who, whose whose story is being told. Because when Plemons comes in, that's where the book is like the real meat of the book, to be honest. Like, but I see. What, what, okay. what they do is they re, they retell it and you know flip the mirror backwards now. So okay. to, to who watching it from what perspective you're watching it. Um, okay. Yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, I, as I said, overall, just just really good stuff. Good character. Um, good character actors. Again, couple Bill get spots that I really love at the end, especially the two lawyers. Great shit. My God. Yeah, like um, really you know <laughs> what to do with the um, last piece involving um, Leo's character, and you know him just making a final decision on that last testimony. It was <laughs> such a sol- solid scene, and it make it work for what it was. And then just to mm. come and, and recontextualize it with what what ultimately happens to Molly, um, and and what happened yeah. to 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 Hale, like his final fate. Um, you know, <laughs> it is like okay, well, I mean, it okay, and it just. It it just very sobering, but but they make it work for what it is in yes. the context of Oklahoma. Um, they, they you know we mentioned Tulsa because they, they showed the newsreel that section and it it, yes. it, it, it borderline feel like you know they 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 kind of taking down notes almost like uh, you know what going on there. Uh, but yeah, I I I thoroughly love this movie. This is as, I don't love this as much as Silence. Not as okay. good as Silence. I don't think so. Uh, but I, I do prefer it to the Irish one. And, okay. Uh, but, but I, I put this really high up in his courses, catalog. I just thought this was really, really excellent. How it comes together, mm-hmm. um, flows together. And just, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think Robert Downey, sorry, you want to say Robert Downey. Robert De Niro, <laughs> Robert De Niro and Robert Downey have a, they could clash for best supporting because they were so good in this. He was oh, so good yeah. in this. Oh, yeah. Right. So I, I feel like they might be clashing for, for, for Oscars for, for best supporting. You know, just these sneaky, you know, um, you know, skimmy, you know, old white men, you know, skimmy in the background. But yeah, they, 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 this, this was excellent. Um, you know, I really, oh, yeah. really thoroughly love this. How it just comes together and, and really, really works. Yeah, so rating. Uh, yeah, I gave this like a 9 out of 10, closer to a 10, but mm-hmm. it's a, high, a 9, a high 9. Not not, not perfect. High I have a little, little nitpickiness, mostly with, with, with having to chop up the film and, you know, editing stuff. That dies about it. And, and, and I felt Leo's performance, not bad, but just somehow... Just slightly I, disappointment. That is how I feel about it, but I, nothing, yeah. nothing too terrible to say. Well, you was trash or nothing. But yeah, well, yeah, I, go ahead. Well, no, I feel like that directly comes from like who he's playing. Like, it's the kind of performance that like would be decent in most other movies, but given the people he's playing against in most, like all of right. almost all of his scenes, he's either opposite De Niro or Gladstone. Right. And and yeah, yeah like, exactly. And I was yeah. worried. I was, I was worried when I, in the first. I also was worried. Wow, was was Leo miscasting this? You know what was going on here, boy? Like I was. It was because uh, that first couple hours was kind of a little worried about what's going on. But but the last hour and where, 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 where that whole arc comes in, especially there's a scene where he just kind of has to effectively like confess to her about what was going on, like what like yeah, him having to was, stay yeah. outright uh, open. Out, you know, after had to come out to the open in the end, and him just having to fulfill like just the, the the full narrative of that whole that situation. Was, um, that that's when he is like, okay, I'm now seeing what's going on here, and it, it's, it's it's really excellent. But it's slightly pulled down the film, not by much, just slightly pulled it down. So yeah, a nine out of ten, a high nine, love it. Yeah. <sighs> this 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 is me setting the tune, right? Right. <laughs> So, I thought your mic was off. With this. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no,
So I'll kick things off like this, right? So while I while I stood in the the now empty theater of you know in Movie Town, where mm-hmm. you know the the the, the, the sole theater where um, this film was screened, right? And I sat there. Sorry, I stood there watching the credits, right? Taking in everything, right? Still holding on to that bit of piss that I had inside of me for like two hours straight. Because <laughs> I decided that I, I could not sit through the show without eating or drinking something, right? Because, I mean, I can't just eat popcorn, you know, dry, right? I mean, I'll choke, right? I mean, I don't want to, you know, God forbid, die while watching Oman Scorsese film, right? But while I, I sat there and I just saw those credits and took in the ambience of what was going on while those credits were rolling, I was just telling myself one thing. This is the best movie I've seen in 2023. Okay, wow. Hands down. The best thing I have seen mm. in 2023. And this is coming from somebody who loves nice. um, Oppenheimer. Trip, I have but... one movie above it. Nice. Well, yeah, I have two I movies above it. Right it now, okay, okay, okay. But yeah. I would see this, right? Like, right now, Killers of the Flower Moon it, um, takes the number one spot, boy. But okay. I, I feel like Oppenheimer, like, if I see it again, because I know it's coming out um, digitally and on home media next month. I would feel like if I give that second viewing boy, it could be like right up there. So, for, so just letting you know one time, I may have a tie for best film of 2023, boy. Oh, right I feel now, you. Yeah. Yeah, right <laughs> now, it's, it's killers, boy, right? Because just, 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 just to start off on the length, right? I, I was concerned about the length. That's why I bought the drink and the, the popcorn and the food space, right? I told myself I'm going to stick through the entirety of this, right? Now, why I bring up that whole thing about me standing up and watching the credits, right, is that, you know... Want to see, you know, the title and, you know, a film by Mars CC, right? That's your instance to just leave and throw away the rest of popcorn and hit the bathroom, right? Nah, I stood there and took in everything. Everything. Right. Until I saw Paramount. That was me. That was me. I was the only person there, right? And it wasn't just me just trying to prove a point, right? Like I could hold my bladder fix some other time. No. It because of how that show really hit me with the impact it left with me right no it is not the best Scorsese film ever made right and I'm not gonna like you know debate that right but it is certainly one of the best films that he's ever made in my opinion right, right. And just the mere fact that he did this at HET just blows my mind right right and the key to it though is that he held my interest for three hours and 26 yeah. minutes exact yeah. I don't know how he did it but he did it right no one yes. No it one in my, like no one in my theater went to the bathroom. It was yeah. kind of amazing to watch. <laughs> I, I I saw a couple of people. In, well, there was there was actually all right. Like I was expecting like two three people honestly, but there was like about ten twelve roughly. But yeah, I saw a couple of people get up and go. I I, I I'm, I'm assuming they probably went to the concession stand, right? For all we know, right? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, some people got up and came back, right? But whatever. But I mm-hmm. stu- I sat there. You know, around the hour and a half, or I should say around the two-hour break, that's when I felt, you know, the little bladder things. I was like, no, no, hold it in, goddammit, right? But yeah, um, I will admit, though, it is one of those shows where, yes, the, the, the time is justified, yes, and there's a lot that goes on. Uh, but there are a few instances, right? This, I'm just going off of the, my, my first viewing, right? Where a scene or two may go on for this a little too long, like they could just right. sort of trim it, this a little bit, this a little bit, right? But I get what he's trying to say, right? what he's doing with those scenes. 
And you can tell, like, it's just Scorsese just taking his time. He's taking his sweet-ass time with his movie. He wants to get moments out. He wants to get certain things out of the way. So he does that, right? But yeah, um, I will confess that, yes, you know, the, the, the runtime is challenging, right? But I came in, I, 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 I rose to the, to the occasion. I was like, all right. I, I just want to get my money's worth for this, right? And, you know, what I said earlier about having to spend extra money just to get there, um, I, I got my money's worth and more, man. This was just, this is an achievement in my opinion, though. This is an amazing film, right? Um, performances, everybody, everybody, even Leo, everybody killed it, right? Um, what, I, what I will say with Leo is that, like, he's not... Especially when it came like like when it comes to like his facial features, just the way how his characters are portrayed in a Scorsese film. Yeah, it's it's the typical burn war uh, weathered down character, right? Right. Um, but you see it tr- happen throughout the course of the film itself, right? But in no way was he doing something like something re- uh, revolutionary or something new. Like case in point, as you brought up Robert De Niro, like this is not no. Region Bull, Jake LaMotta, where like, no. he becomes somebody totally different. Yes, it's Leo doing what Leo does in a Scorsese film, but I didn't mind it at all, right? But I can understand like his performance not really doing much for some people, you know, and him being the weak link. I, I, I totally understand the criticism, right? Um, De Niro is fantastic as William Hegel do. Yep. And he's so good that he wrote me in from the beginning. Can I just say, like, all right, I yep. know... I, I I know something gonna gonna start. I know I know he he on shit right, but how he start how he starts over the beginning is like nah he, he's cool he's not on shit like look at him like look at how cool he is I mean he acts in um Ernest because Ernest mm-hmm. is his um you know his, nephew, his yeah. nephew by the way mm-hmm. yeah some some kind of weird questions but it's like all right well you know he just breaking the ice right but eventually you realize how full of shit William is and you're like wow boy but it's how <laughs> he always has like a like a um a comment. You know, like you know what? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, like you know, it's it's about the it's about the it's about the bigger picture, it's about the greater good. Like oh gosh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, right. it's like that. that how he plays that to the very end work for me, right? Lily Gladstone, Ooh. she does not get an Oscar nomination at least by the Oscars. She yeah. was fan freaking tastic in this. Yeah. This was the first time I've seen her on screen though. Um, just what she does with her face, and as you said, Cece, with her eyes though, she, yeah. it, she it, it worked for me. Um, because she is worn down, like worn yep. down, even more yeah. than Leo's character is, right? And you feel that resilience, boy, right? But you you just know that it's a lot that she's 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 being worn down with, right? But just how she kind of stands up and rises though, that that really got to me, boy. Um, the losses that she experiences throughout this my way, God. really, really hit my boy. My God, right? And it's just so unnatural how it happens, right? But I love how it connects to, well, you know, well, just her people, right? You know, the um, the Osage, right? Yeah. And even that as was set up brilliantly in the beginning of the film too. Yeah, just what they what they went through, right? Um, and what they have to endure. Sorry to say this, with the arrival of the white man, right, on their yep. property, right? Um, and you really just see just how just just yeah just how something as you know I don't want to say arbitrary but something as uh, beneficial to everybody as oil you know could just cause some people to just be like nah you you you're not gonna get that oil yeah I don't care if it's your land I wanna I wanna we I wanna take you out I wanna um, get rid of you yeah and they just go about it in in violent ways right but you know to them it's just like well again it's about the greater good right? I love how they how they set it up right. Um, 
and through scores he's fashion i like how they show the the villainous people as just you know really we really don't know what it is we really we really don't know what we're doing you know but we kind of know we have to do it because right I good, right um i just love how like certain characters like side characters would just do these dumb like they, they they're given a job right that's all oh my thing. god and they no, it's it so bad it's, it's just some like, of well, the most look i look i i don't want to do this you know like you know like, these... give them money and shut up it's just like that i love these that. are these are some of the most incompetent criminals I have right. seen on screen yes. in a hot minute, and it really <laughs> becomes frustrating because you're like, the only reason they're getting away from with it with this shit is because the sheriff is literally a member of the KKK. Right. Yeah. Yes, like, boy. Like, like the moment you see, like like when I saw that sort of boot of a nation esque paint in the background, I was like, all right, I yeah, know. this dude. Wow. 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 <laughs> it's like. Like how to, how to make sure we know that someone is the villain in like one shot? Yeah. Oh my uh, god. They, they, they do that very well, right? Um, they even bring up some masonry. That's a slight spoiler in it as well, too. Yeah. And I'm not really sure how how real life masons are gonna respond to it, though. <laughs> right. But I don't think it's meant to demonize them. But um, uh, I, I guess in the, how how they're shown it, it, it is sort of like clandestine kind of right, way. Right. Some people might think, oh, well, masonry was you know masons were up to no good even back then. Right. Blah blah blah. Right. And you know it play on certain you know um uh, <laughs> well. Um, stereotypes if you will right but I think it works the story um, the setting in particular well one scene that that one involves the paddle um, was, is very lynchian like like I saw that especially yeah, that, if it takes yeah no the, it was floor. That's, that's, that's Twin Peaks that's straight up <laughs> Twin Peaks shit but I love it nonetheless too. I just the moment was just so surreal but it doesn't take it out of the film but it's just so it's so um, uh, dark in its humor as well right and on, on, just to touch on that just on the humor um even though it is very dark material, right? Um, very, you know, summer material. Yeah, there's moments of, of like, dark humor in it as well. In, in particular, it just involves the criminals and just how they're trying to, to get away with things and uh, how they're trying to, sh- um, you know, push things under the rug and all that kind of stuff. It, it, that's where the, the, the dark humor comes come into as well, right? I can really buy into somebody like, like Ernest, played by Leo, um, getting suckered. Like, he literally, he is suckered into it, right? Yeah. And, yeah, because he don't really know any better, you know, he just goes along with it, right? But right. I love that they, they have that sub um, subplot with him and, well, you know, Lily Gladstone's character, Molly, right? You know, as, as a couple, as, as a married couple, right? And just that cl- um, conflict between, you know, him trying to do right by his uncle, but also wanting to do right by his wife, right? And you see how that plays out. Right. right? The cameos blew me away. Um, <laughs> the attorney that I mentioned, the prosecutor that I mentioned to, um, near I... the end too, which, by the way, that, that climax, that, that denouement, if you will, is amazing. My jaw dropped. Yes. It is one of, the, one of the best things I've seen in film all year. Yeah. And just to touch on the, on the final scene of it, right? So... Um, there was a book that I read uh, recently. Well, also, like, I had the audiobook too, right? So I just sort of listened and read at the same time, right? Um, about Martin Scorsese's um, filmography, right? And he yeah. mentioned for um, Killers the Flower Moon, he mentioned that it was in production. Right. Um, he mentioned that he got the right to film this moment. And other, uh, uh, outside of that, nobody would have gotten the opportunity <gasps> to, to, to even put that on screen at all. Wow. And, right. Yeah, Martin got through with that, right? And I just say like, all right, I just expect in this thing to be like this, you know, elongated sequence, right? Something that runs for like a two, three minutes or whatever. But it's yeah. just one moment and that's how it's shown, how it's presented though. Wow, that 
that hit me. So that good. was that was brilliant, right? I would I would put that up there, slight spoiler, to the end of Schindler's List. Right. If you remember, right, 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 right. Yes, 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 yes. Very good comparison. Yes, very good comparison. Oh, hell yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of of of, I'm I'm wrapping right. And speaking of audiobooks and stuff like that, right? I started on Killers of the Flower Moon, right, in preparation for this movie. Okay. Because I was excited as hell for this, right? And what's so interesting about how um, Scorsese and, and Eric Roth adapted it, right, is that it's not how, like how the book is. It's, it's a true crime thing, right? So yeah. it's from the perspective of the FBI. And, right. you know, this is what happened. And, you know, this is what, you know, the murders and what led to what. Um, it actually starts with the death of somebody close to Molly, right? Slight spoiler if okay. you haven't read that first chapter, right? But, yeah, uh, for, for Scorsese to flip it now and see, no, I want it from the perspective of, you know, the the, um, the Osage, and more particularly the, the, the characters who are involved before the before the FBI even shows up, yep. right? You know, I thought that was a really smart call, right? Because you had to think about it like that, right? Like, yeah. it would have been easy to just adapt the film just p- um, page for page, but no. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have I have these big actors here after after giving them stuff to do, right? And well, that's what Scorsese does, right? Um, of course, you know it's Martin, right? So directing is strong. Trodo, I love how he you know does these little old timey things to kind of make it suit the times. So, yeah, like, there's a see, there's a clever you know, like, there's a clever thing they do in the and they, they have the footage and then the footage fades into the crossfade. Into the shot, in, in, into, into the bus. Into the, yeah, into the shot. Oh, in the beginning. So that was great. Yeah, it's a simple yeah. thing, but it's so clever. Like, they, they had the old footage and then they cut it. And I was like, hey, okay, Marty, Marty, you're cooking. <laughs> you yeah, are absolutely cooking. Marty know what you're doing, right? Exactly. Um, also, also points to the late, great Robbie Robertson for his score for this. Right, right. okay. Um, I like that it's, it's very... For me, it was it was, it was rather un- un- unconventional. Yeah. Right? Um, but I like that it draws from you know old time blues. Um, and you just hear like I, I believe it's like a bass guitar. So like every time like moments that I get like slow inti- uh, like like slowly intense like building in, in intensity, you would hear it right. Um, I feel like they, there's that they, they kind of use a particular um uh, motif a little bit uh, a, a little bit too much though that that's what he sort of beats guitar thing but again it's all about building you know it's setting the tone and whatnot but it, it works right i like that he actually shouts out robert uh robbie at the very end he does an yes. r.i.p you know shout out him in the credits right mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean everybody did, you know everybody killed it um jesse plemons right, you right. Know, oh was my god yeah well i mean yeah 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 he was fantastic i just love how how Unnaive he is, right? Oh, when, you know the moment he shows up, it's just like, yeah, I know some shady shit going on, and oh, you don't want to tell me, all right? I'll, yeah, I'll find out. <laughs> he not, he not, he I'll, not, he not pay him. by time, by time, Leo opened that door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that, that I, moment is hilarious. I, by the way, just yeah, all yeah, dead is like, whole, yeah, I, I don't know, just just come back Friday. That, like, right, right. that whole scene, I'm sitting there and I'm like. Does Ernest know he just put himself at the top of the suspect list? Like, he just says, "Come back Friday." Just come back Friday. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, no, no you definitely Friday. can't come in and talk to my wife, who you want to investigation with the murder of her family. She's not feeling well. Come back yeah. Friday." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was so hilarious what to me, man. I, I I love that. I um, love. And I, and I also, go on. Sorry. No, I was about to say I love how one of my favorite things about the film is that like. Because the FBI is a literal new department that has just been set up. Yeah, they had a previous Well, all these people also don't know how it works, so they don't exactly, know. Exactly right. They, yeah, they yeah, it's a new concept to them. Like, they, they, like, don't know they're, they're, they don't know they're incriminating themselves. They don't. Exactly. 
Right, right. They don't know that they're giving evidence. It's unprecedented like... criminal, yeah, from a criminal standpoint, that's completely unprecedented. Because yeah, it's not some small tongue shenanigans, though. Yeah, they're so right. and like and like to you know just bribing local law enforcement and right. like not having right. it all seriously and also being such like bad criminals that their like evidence is like right out in the open. Like yeah. literally, the FBI agents talking to the doctors and going like, "So, uh, was there any particular reason that you like?" Cut up the body yeah. until right, pieces right. Yeah. It, like. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, right. But I also love the fact that we 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 have. Um, I assume they are of the Osage Nation as well. Um, yeah, actors. Well, yeah, only um, little side you know, guys. Um, you tell some yeah. good, good side people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Especially yeah, um, it, it, there's actually a great um, not a courtroom scene. Um, like yeah, yes, right. That's a good scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, brilliant I, I, scene. You're in on this one guy, right? And you know he's just talking about yo, they're just murdering us left and right, and you know look at what we've done over the years, and yeah, don't trust the white man, right? And we have to do something about that. That scene is so that scene is incredibly so... powerful. I love that you know Scorsese think... just let it run for as long as it could, yes. not, as long as it needed to go to right without right. Um, without hitting us over the head with it, with its point. Mm -hmm. I think things. I love that. If I, unless I'm very much mistaken, every single person who like Scorsese only cast Osage people, even non-actors, to play the Osage in this movie, right. which, which, which is interesting because it ends up not having because like most times when you see a lot of um, most times I'm I'm almost used to anytime you know a movie with a lot of Native Americans comes out. I'm used to a certain like short list of actors that I expect to see, right, you know, right. like um the guy who like like the guy who played um Slipknot in um, Ayer's Suicide Squad. Uh, Adam Beach. Adam Beach. Um, Adam Beach. West. Yeah, Adam Beach is always show up here. Yeah, West Studio. And he's a great one. actor. He's a great yeah, actor. Yeah, great actor. You know, I don't come out. It's only Adam Beach come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and right. then like so actually, so, yeah, but and to see actors like that completely absent from the movie, like it cre it just helps that immersion just so much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's just wrap it up, right? So, cinematography, yeah. of course, is 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 fantastic, though. Um, just love the the, the visuals in this. Um, the editing, I mean, shout out to the OG herself, Telma Shoemaker, boy, right. once again showing why queen, if not the greatest um, editor, like film editor of all time, right? Um, I just love that you know she because she's she's so in tune with Scorsese, right? So, yeah. like, of course, you know, if you're familiar with shows like um, like like, well, yeah, Goodfellas is a perfect example. Yeah, you know, you'll have characters talk and you'll mention some moment of violence right or some incident that happened and you'll just show the moment right and it's cut back to it and it is to do it a, a lot in this but it absolutely works in any context of this film right you know just in terms of what it's trying to say right and last last thing before i i get to written right um the runtime itself right um again i i think that it is justified even though there's, there's a I, I felt you know a few scenes could have been you know shaved on or whatnot right um but for some reason, while I was watching this, I was comparing it to um, The Godfather Part 2, right? Yes. You know, Francis Ford Coppola, right? Um, and I think that's like the perfect film to compare that to, right? Because one, both, um, well, actually, Godfather Part 2 is shorter, right? Even though you could see they're, they're both three and a half hour long films, right? But um, Godfather 2 is, is relatively shorter, right? But um, why I bring this up, right, is because, you know, for some people, like, especially who go to see this theatrically, right? They, you know they will they will be intimidated by the runtime, right? And you know in my head I was wondering, you know, just just outer curiosity, like I was wondering if you if you'll get a, like an intermission similar to the Godfather Part Two, right? Right, right. Now there's a scene, right? A, sort of a blinking image scene with Leo, right? And the scene sort of just um, dissolves to black, and then the scene uh, resumes after that, right? 
automatically I understand why they did that. But I, I, it, for, 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 uh, for me, sorry, I was wondering if that was meant to be the act break, right? Probably, and, you know, yeah. You, or I should say, this is the end of act two. So, you know, go and t- take a break and then come back and see what happens afterwards, right? So I don't know if when it comes out on Apple TV, if this if they'll just put some intermission title card or something. So I highly doubt that, right? Because, I mean, it's streaming, right? So there's no need for that, right? But... For some reason, I, I, I see it both as the end of Act 2 and as sort of a intermission, you know, so right. go do your thing and then come back. It, it was kind of unique, right? but that's how I see it, right? And I will confess also, that's just last little minor nitpick though. There are, you know, the Oscar moments, right? So like it, it with, uh, with with Leo where it's like, all right, he is really acting his ass off, right? And, you know, like when they do the highlight reel for, you know, when he's hopefully nominated for an Oscar, yeah, I know about that, that, yeah. that, that key moment, right? Like, you know, there's uh-huh. a moment where he reacts emotionally to a moment. I'm not going to say what it is, right? You know, they're going to zero in on that, perhaps. I don't know, right? But there's that. So that's, so uh, the, the point again that is like, it's not Oscar BT, but I could see some people looking at some moments and be like, yeah, that's there for the Oscar and that's there for the Oscar. But it's to be expected in films like this, right? And yeah, just just to get into my final thoughts, um, yeah, if this show doesn't get nominated for Oscar, something is clearly, clearly very wrong, wrong with the Academy, boy. Um, but my pick right now for, for, for a winner has to be Lily Gladstone, though, because, yeah, yeah, she stole the show. She was amazing in this. I do hope, I do see, you know, a bright future in terms of her career, right? I, I really yes. do need to check up, like, the, the, the recent stuff that she was in. Um, I hope that Leo and, 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 and De Niro get nominated. Um, I would be surprised if, if Leo doesn't get nominated, but I, I, I thought that he, he, he did a great job in this, right? Um, but as I said, Ricardo, it'll be great seeing De Niro and Downey yes. Jr. just go head to head. That's best supported actor because yeah, they were great. Just two scummy white men, though. So <laughs> yes. yeah, I, I will take that way as far as you know, film experiences, right? And yeah, this movie was an experience for me, man. I will remember holding my pee two hours into the film, right? <laughs> <laughs> to see this thing to the to the very end, though. But yeah, I was entertained from start to end. Um, I do hope that this movie comes out. Um, hopefully by year's end, but because of I know there's going to be a, a Oscar push for this, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out. I don't know in January, whatever. Um, right. Because I don't think there there has been a. Really, I feel um, I feel yeah I feel uh, it'll be like how um we call it um Macbeth was it, it coming in New Year oh, or yeah or Christmas uh, or something Macbeth, sorry. right uh. yeah. And as I say, tragedy of Macbeth, though, uh, cause yeah, that would have been my favorite film of that year had I not had I had I not had to wait until it came out on Apple TV to see it. But yeah, um, what I would just say though, um, for for those who are still hesitant about seeing the film, I would say you it. have to go <laughs> in knowing what to expect. You you, you go in knowing that runtime. Once you go in with that, you prepare yourself, right. and you just see what it does for you, right? But if you, you know you can't handle that length, that's okay. I would say wait till it comes out um, on Apple TV, right? But it's just the question of when it comes out, because I don't know, because really, they haven't released a, a release date as yet, right? But that being said, as a theatrical release, though, um, this is one that I'm going to remember uh, for a long period of time. Um, and yeah, r- this is right up there with Oppenheimer as just a crowning achievement as far as film goes, right? But right now, this is number one for me, but I feel like once I rewatch Oppenheimer, boy, it might share that same spot um, as, as far as number one, right? Okay. So I ramble long enough for me, um, I, I ramble long enough, right? But yeah, I absolutely enjoyed this film. For me, rating-wise, I'm going to give this a 5 out of 5. Nice one. Yes, uh, you know the folks, see this movie before you die. This is one of the best things yes. I've seen 
in years. Um, Martin Scorsese will go down as one of the greatest filmmakers ever made. I wouldn't say the yeah. greatest, but yeah, one right. of the greatest yeah. filmmakers oh, ever yeah. made. And this show is is a testament to that, man. So see it theatrically, but again, if the runtime, if you know that runtime is going to be an issue, or I guess, you know, if it's not close to where you're at, um, you know, I guess wait until it comes out on Apple TV. But did, for me, just having to spend money to go and see it theatrically, it was absolutely worth it for me. Man. Did your did your screening begin with a little with the little video from Scorsese thanking you for coming to see it in theaters? No, I didn't get that. No, but <laughs> oh, I don't remember I'm, getting that. No, ours got ours got that. You I was I'm, like, I was. I was so warmed. Because <laughs> okay. like, all, all he did is he just a little video saying like, "Hi, I'm Martin Scorsese. Thank you for like, um, it took a, like it took a long time for us to make this movie. Thank you for supporting it in theaters." I was like, "Oh, you're welcome, Bart." That, that, that is that is that is awesome, man. That's awesome. So yes, Tracy, you, you've you've heard it from all three of us. Go see this film, right? But again, I have heard it. Re- just just keep in mind that 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 runtime, huh? Just keep in mind that right. I know. I can't. I, I kind of know how to how to how to plan when I have to go see like long films. Oh yeah. So to speak. So, to speak. so I will be doing that. And Salt is also your your friend. You'll just absorb everything. <laughs> it's not science, but that's how I how I interpret it in my. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So yeah. With all that being said, Ricardo, where can people find you online? Ah, uh, Passat Army on Blue Sky. I'm on Blue Sky now. Yay. Uh, I have a bunch of like invite tickets, so if you want those, I'll send them to you. Uh, then you can type, type in Ricardo Medina on Facebook, and you can find me there. All right. Uh, usually, I'm on, well, ever so often, I should say, I'm on TikTok and X, you know, formerly known as Twitter, but kind of mm-hmm. the same thing anyway, whatever. The platform uh, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> you know, yeah. Usually, I'm on Instagram. Usually, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. The latter two of which you'll find excerpts from today's episode, along with other episodes of BBB Radio, Retrospect Reviews, BS Beats and Bailey, and Hip Hop Sub Ten. Uh, CC, where can people find you online? People can find me online at, at CC the Martian. That's CC underscore the underscore Martian at Letterboxd, YouTube. Uh, and Instagram. I, I have a Facebook as well um, under, under uh, I think it's just CC Loferd. But um, no longer on Twitter, but I do have Instagram, Letterboxd. And if you just want, like, if you want playlists, um, I also have a Spotify. <laughs> all right, all right. And in addition to Twitter, uh, where can people find you online, Tracy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram. We are Tracy, one word. We are Tracy, one word. Um, and then, of course, YouTube and uh, Twitter, uh, Tracy Hutchings, Tracy J. Hutchings. All right, all right. So quickly, stuff to look forward to. Well, you know, next weekend is Halloween I, weekend. I thought so. you was going to review my Quiz album, so... Oh, well, I was about to, well, it's good to bring that, bring that up. Right. Um, I'm going to actually talk about that in the next review, in the next episode, sorry. Um, but okay. I'll also talk about some, you know, some horror flicks, some stuff right. I didn't see. Um, so like Saw X and uh, The Exorcist Believer mm. came out. Um, I actually never saw an Exorcist film at all. So really? that gives me an excuse to check it out. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, did, I, did. I, I, yeah uh, we have a quick... Reason, oh, Exorcist is the scariest movie ever. So. Right. Uh... Yeah, for me, my, my quick <laughs> shortlist so for coming up probably next week or probably future week. So Rapture coming back. Uh, okay. The other yeah, Black nice. Girl. I wanted to see that. So I know okay, not a chance. It's okay, okay. Yeah, it's all right. Um, Gen V is finishing soon. Think so? Uh, okay. I, I believe so. Yes. I think right. it's finishing the same time with Loki. 
Right. Okay. Um, that okay, thing, okay, uh, Lord X finishing soon, some stuff finishing soon. Uh, American Fiction, I think that's coming out soon. That, that, looking look, ah, yes, that looks hilarious. Uh, thank yeah, you, Tracy, that looks for putting funny. me onto that trailer. Yeah. <laughs> that, that looks great. Um, I do hope that we see it somehow. Right. I don't want to see theatrically in Trinidad, but yeah, I don't know, right? Yeah, uh, Monarch. Uh, Mila- Monarch, I want to see. That's coming out soon. Yes. Oh, yeah, the show, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. I, I'm going to review this next week. I, I should have I could have fight about. I was kind of tired. Uh, Captain Lisa Hawk. I hear that pretty good. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. uh, right. I, I should I should look that up, right? right. And um, in closing, the last, well, you know, our our next collab, God willing, all four of us, uh, will involve um, the, the the full second season of Loki, okay. uh, the Killer from David Fincher, which is coming okay. out on Netflix. I can't wait. Right, 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 and, right. Yeah. Yes, hearing greetings about that. Right. Of course, I mean, still has the best edited trailer of 2023, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the Marvels. Right, the Marvels. Yeah, Marvels. Interesting, yeah. Right. So, CC, I don't know if you're gonna check out the Marvels. No. The MCU theatrical release that that will actually be worth it, you know. And like, I don't know. Well, I'll just say outside. Oh, I'll just say with the exception of um of Guardians Volume Three, which was fantastic, right? But yeah, I, right. I don't think this one could be. I, like maybe as I've as also like, that, but good enough. I've also I'm debating because um Butcher's Crossing, the Nicolas Cage Western, is out at the moment. The one where he plays a uh, Buffalo Hunter is based on a novel. I want to check that out, but I'm debating it. I'm being dragged with a couple friends to see the Five Nights at Freddy's movies in a few weeks. Boy, oh boy. Ah, well, I, I'm going to be talking about that um, for, for the Halloween episode because, yeah, I'm okay. until it comes out online. So I'm not going to see because it's, it's coming out theatrically and digitally the same day. So why am I going theatrically? But. You know, you, and then, well, you know. I guess when we do meet back up, you can let me know how the yeah, you, experience of that film was. I, and then yeah. I think for me, the, the 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 film that I am the most hyped for that is com- that that is still coming out this year is Napoleon. Right. Um, that right. one's a, that's yes. a per- that's a personal one for me. Um, fun fact: I actually mm. I actually did my my thesis project for my grad for my graduate degree was i wrote a screenplay in an experimental like i wrote kind of like a braided script that was like like something like cloud atlas or or focus and i both and so i did the stories of alexander the great julius caesar and napoleon so i've done a lot of yeah i've done a lot of research on the man so when i heard ridley scott was doing a napoleon movie i was intrigued and it's interesting some of some of the moments just from the trailers that he were like these are important um, are things that I had also kind of touched on in my own screenplay. So I am really, nice. like, personally invested in this being a good movie, especially after The Last Duel being as good as it was. Um, right, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Indeed, yeah. Um, I right, do, right, right. I, I'm also trash. I am planning to watch Aquaman 2. <laughs> right. Yeah, because that's different. That's summer film. Yeah, I different, I different, I different. I ain't feeling, I ain't feeling no how. I different. I... I, I, I want to, I just, I just need to know how this turned out. I just, like, I've been following this for so long, and I like the first one so much. I just need, I just need this to be good. And I'm, yeah. after and so many. And, and, sorry, and after, sorry, just, just finish. Well, and, I'll just see one well, after, well, and after so many reshoots, I am, after like. All the news. I, after yeah. all the reshoots, all the news, all the drama, I, I just, like, okay, but after all that, did you make a good movie? <laughs> Thank you. Right. That, that that that's what I want to find out. You know, um, before Christmas, right? Yeah. Last, 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 last thing. 
after Christmas, um, in addition to us sharing our best and worst of lists, uh, yeah. I, I have a feeling CC is going to duck us for this section. Rebel Moon, part one. <laughs> oh, yes. Because, because we're not getting that. Dune part two, <laughs> we're getting Rebel Moon part one. <laughs> you are so on your own. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, CC. Here's here's the pitch, right? And then and then we'll 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 shut up. Uh, uh. This this could automatically be your pick for worst film of the year. <laughs> so watch it, suffer through it, like how you did with with Justice League. <laughs> Uh, and then just come and say, nope, that's my worst pick. That's it right there. Uh, I have <laughs> so another. I'm giving you a film to put in your worst of. I list, do right? have a. I do have another academic friend. I share some of his reviews on Facebook, who is planning to watch Rebel Moon for academic purposes, and I might. Uh, I I might make it like a. Thing. I know my partner is like Eli is not joining me for this one. Like they they hated Justice League so much. They are not. Like, if uh, I watch uh, Rebel I, I, Moon, I, I, I am on my feeling, own. I have a feeling. I have a feeling you're gonna get a nice laugh out of it. Oh, you get a nice laugh, sort of a cringe here or there. But I have a feeling you'll be laughing at this. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you're listening to this, mm-hmm. this was Matthew Bailey and CC Little Thanks again for coming through. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Sure, uh, Tracy Hutchins. Thanks again for coming through. Anytime, anytime. Uh, Ricardo Medina, thanks again for coming through. No problem, brother. And this has been another episode of BBB Radio. So until the next one, take care, stay safe in and out. These are my confessions. Peace. Peace.